This coverage is live and uncensored. So if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. What is up, guys? My Take Radio, episode 300, powered by Rageworks. Our caller number, 347-324-3541. Again, that caller number, 347-324-3541. All right, so here we are, guys. 300 episodes of My Take Radio. Uh, Super pumped to have made it this far. Uh, Very grateful to those of you that have stuck around on this crazy, crazy journey of ours. We've had our highs and our lows all the way back from episode one to the first hundred, then going live on episode 200. Now we've done a hundred episodes with audio and video. Uh, Definitely uh, a big accomplishment. I owe a lot to obviously those that have worked behind the scenes to make it possible. Also grateful to our fans that have, like I said, been ride or die with us from the beginning Uh, For those of you that have been on the MTR team from the beginning, uh, grateful to those guys as well. Uh, On air and off air, you guys know who you are. I'm not going to sit here and um, do a whole big diatribe about all the greatness that we've done and all the crazy shit that we've been involved in because at the end of the day, you guys know that it's been a a wild ride. And like I said, I am grateful for the opportunity. Um, I see so many great faces in there in the chat room. That I'm grateful for Uh, a lot of guys that have been with us from the beginning. Uh, Shout out to our very own Ben uh, Quark, who I see in there, Lucha Lee, Slick, a lot of our regulars, a lot of newcomers as well. You guys have been part of an amazing, amazing journey for 300 episodes. And I know I wanted to do a ton of cool shit for episode 300. Unfortunately, uh, fate got in the way and things did not go according to plan. So. With that said, I want to give you guys an update on what's been going on since we last wrapped episode 299, what you guys can look forward to from episode 300 and beyond, and a couple of other changes as well. Plus, I want to award our uh, T2 Entertainment Earth exclusive reaction figure to one of our lucky Instagram followers, which I will be doing momentarily. Um, First up, let me let me tell you guys what went down with episode 300 and why we were unable to broadcast it last week. So after we wrapped episode 299, we I well personally I took a week to cover Consumer Electronics Week, also celebrated a birthday, so I come to you guys a little older, not wiser, but definitely older and um you know, the the crazy thing was during that week we were covering Consumer Electronics Week and trying to get so much stuff out there. And 
on the last day of the event, I came home and as I was getting ready to put up pictures and, and information, the, the, my computer just shut down, just totally out of the blue shut down. And, um, what ended up happening was it had some weird kernel error. So of course, you know, me being somewhat tech savvy, and I say that obviously in, in jest, I uh, did a little research and it turns out that the hard drive on the computer was going to fail. So ran a couple of tests and it said that there were, there was roughly a 30% functionality rate uh, for the hard drive at the time. And what I ended up doing was I, I pretty much had to make a game time decision to not do the show because what ended up happening was if we would have done the show and we would have taxed the hard drive, the hard drive could have failed or even worse, I could have just lost everything. So I have the lovely culprit right here, a uh, Western digital Velociraptor drive. I've had it for a long time. And um, the fun part was that even though the hard drive was going to take a dump, I had to make the decision to buy what's called an SSD. For those of you not tech savvy, that is a solid state drive without moving parts. Anyway, picked it up, cost me almost 200 bucks. And the fun part was trying to transfer a hard drive that was nearly dying to a new hard drive. And that, my friends, is what actually derailed the show because we were transferring everything over. We managed to get it working, but we had to make sure to work out all the bugs to ensure that we had no issues. So we, I ended up taking the July 4th weekend to do some testing. And um, in, the, in, the, in the midst of that, we were celebrating two birthdays. My sister celebrating her 24th. Uh, my wife celebrating her birthday uh, this past Tuesday. So lots of stuff going on off air. But all our equipment is running in, in optimal condition. Like I said, brand new hard drive. We got a whole bunch of new toys that we're going to be using in the coming weeks. Uh, just got a box full of stuff that we're going to be implementing on air. And um, we should be on the lookout for that. Another interesting thing that happened that I wanted to share with you guys, and I'm sharing this not just because it's something that was incredibly irritating, but also for the sake of transparency. For those of you that read RageWorks.net, you guys know that we used to do a column called the three R's of Raw. That column was a mainstay, pr particularly because we covered what was wrong, what was right, and what was awesome. You know, what was an awesome moment in the broadcast. So on the second to last day of the month, I received an email from an individual that felt that we took his concept for our column. And of course, me and the individual exchanged some emails and um, the individual felt that acknowledging, you know, the right, the wrong and what was super awesome in a broadcast was mutually exclusive. Now, obviously, the easiest thing to do in an era of just Internet supremacy is pretty much writing, responding back and saying, go fuck yourself. But, you know, we are we are professionals. And there's no, there's no necessity, um, you know, there's no necessity to have a pissing contest on the internet over a title. Not only that, but in doing research, you cannot trademark a title. Meaning that if you trademark, like if you say 
the gray shirt. You could trademark what's on the shirt, but you can't trademark the shirt itself. And like I said, it's the internet. I don't give a shit. Because if you're that hard up to to have a pissing match over a quote-unquote column that you've been doing for a long time, there, it just I just didn't feel it worth my energy or the energy of the staff or even the energy of the guy you know, complaining to have a, a pissing contest. So I took it into consideration and I said, you know what? Just like anything else, I got a creative mind. I create a lot of crazy shit. And with that, we created the WMD report. You know, the WMD report, um, besides it obviously being an acronym for weapons of mass destruction, uh, stands for the winning moments, the markout moments, and the dud moments of Raw, SmackDown, whatever the case may be. That's what we went with. It's ours. Um, you know, first column's in the bag. Second column will be out uh, tomorrow. And um, that's where we're at. So that's one of those things that had to be dealt with off air. Uh, between the hardware issues, all the event coverage we were trying to put together, and a slew of emails, I can tell you that your your favorite podcast host is mentally drained. But i um, excited to bring you guys episode 300. Uh, with that, um, obviously... There were there were a lot of people that stepped up to get content out while we were experiencing our hardware issues. Obviously, Quark and Blade brought you guys a brand new Buried show. Ben and Taylor gave you guys a brand new Black is the New Black. So those guys are definitely crushing it and um, really solid numbers, which brings me to last month. For the month of June, we closed out with over 3,300 downloads. I want to take a moment and thank all of you. Uh, that listen live, that have downloaded the show, that have reshared the show for for that involvement. Again, tremendous. Um, I want to thank all our hosts, besides obviously myself, uh, you know, Cork and Blade, Ben and Taylor, from the guys from VGN for doing some really, really awesome show. We are, you know, some really awesome shows for the month of June. We want to keep that momentum going. Um, we're already into the first week of July. And we already have over 300 downloads for the month. Again, that's total downloads. That's that constitute downloads for my take radio, MTR behind the mic, um, the buried show. And of course, black is the new black. So again, a lot of really, really great things I wanted to share with you guys. All right. So aside from that, I actually wanted to acknowledge something that was brought to my attention when we posted our behind the mic interview with uh, the real Brian from ProfitCast. And someone was asking through the comments for that interview, um, you know, how how we run things here and how we are able to, um, you know, have our fingers in so many different types of content. And um, I want to I wanna put that out there and I want to acknowledge uh, this person's comment. Uh, this, is, this is for Brad in particular. And um, it's tough. You know, we are we run we run a a very, very broad website covering a lot of competitive things. You can punch in wrestling website and come up with a dozen different websites. So you have to make sure that your voice is original. Your content is unique. And most important, the biggest thing you have to sell is yourself. And um, in a in a in a bit of a of a real world uh, sense, I had a conversation with our very own Quark about PR 
and without getting too too deep into the conversation, I said to him that the biggest PR is making even the shittiest thing appear to be the greatest thing. That's that's what I view PR in short. And when it comes to what we do here at Rageworks, everything we do has to fall under three umbrellas. It has to be real. It has to be relevant. And it has to respect the content. That's it. Those are our three R's. Yeah, I use three R's on air. Come and see me. Um, but seriously, you know, those three tenants are what we live with. Um, you know, respecting our content, respecting our readers, um, you know, being relevant. And of course, being real. That's, that's it. Uh, that's how I see it. If, if we can't do any of that, then, then it doesn't make sense to do what we do. With that said, that takes us into what's going to happen with My Take Radio going forward. Uh, a couple of things. Uh, starting next month, we are going to start testing doing the MMA section of the show bi-weekly. The reason I say this is because on the weeks that MMA is dead, it's, it doesn't make any sense to try and rehash or recap shit that you guys already know. It's an insult to you guys. It's, it's prep that I don't need to do. So we're going to start doing MMA and wrestling and then alternating to strictly wrestling every other week. Um, again, we're going to test it out, see how it goes. And, um, you know, we're, we're going to do that. You know what? Let me rephrase that. Slick just brought that to my attention. Um, yeah, it's going to be every other week. So, yeah, twice a month. Let's, let's go that way. We're going to do MMA and wrestling in, together twice a month. And then the other two episodes in the month are going to be wrestling only. And Ben even said it himself. It is quite dead sometimes. And what I did was I actually looked at the numbers. And I noticed that you guys, when I do a specific wrestling only episode the numbers just shoot up completely uh the few times that i've done mma episodes only unless we've had fighters on air or have done something that's totally out of left field or totally crazy then you know those numbers are there so clearly you guys you know you guys always love our wrestling content first and foremost and for that i am grateful and i'm glad that you guys are able to be um so opinionated with your downloads because I see it, you know, we, we do a wrestling only episode and it's downloaded 200 times in a month. Clearly we're doing some shit, right? So, um, you know, I think we're going to start implementing that beginning in August. Um, obviously because there's a lot of things I got to weed out in terms of what fight cards and certain things, because that way it'll really hash out if we're going to do the episodes every other week or maybe two episodes towards the end of the month with MMA and wrestling and then two episodes in the beginning of the month, wrestling only, we're going to flesh it out, but we'll have that set up in August. In addition to that, um, you guys know that we have one signature intro for both our MMA and wrestling and our gaming and entertainment editions of the show. We are going to start separating that. And we're going to give each show individual intros, individual effects to really help differentiate it. Because I know that some people do, unless they're reading the show notes, are not fully aware of which is wrestling and which is uh, gaming and entertainment. And of course, it's easy to say you fuckers should read, but I do want to make our content easily 
consumable. So that's something we will be implementing going forward, probably starting with episodes 302 and 303 next week. So, well, let me rephrase that episode 302, because there may not be an episode 303 due to an event we may cover. We're going to play that by ear next week. I'll keep you guys covered on that front. But yeah, we're going to start doing MMA twice a month and then wrestling consistently every week. Uh, Gaming and entertainment will remain unchanged unless somebody comes out with, you know, somebody brings to my attention anything that is lacking in those particular episodes, either going gaming only one week or gaming or going entertainment the other week. And um, (laughs) Ben says fuckers seem not to read most of the time. This is true. Uh, They do not. But that's that's the plan going forward. We're going to continue to fine tune and tweak certain things. I also was asked about Patreon after um, the commentary from the last couple of episodes. People have asked me when the Patreon is online. Um, I'll be honest. Uh, For those of you that don't know, uh, the fact is we did do Patreon before and we had one one listener that really invested himself into it. Shout out to Javon Lewis, as always, for his continued support of all our shows. And we realized that it just wasn't working the way it needed to. So we actually pulled the Patreon back and decided to, you know, just refocus our energies on doing content and everything else. I do want to do the Patreon and I've mentioned it for the last couple of episodes that we want to revisit it. But again, and I got to stress this above all, everybody wants us to do all this stuff and shit costs money. (laughs) That let's let's. Let's call a spade a spade, folks. Shit costs money. And, um, you know, if we're going to do a Patreon and you guys want us to do it, then, hey, put your put your put your dollars where your mouths are. I'm going to be talking about uh, PewDiePie tomorrow during our gaming and entertainment edition of the show. And I want to tell you guys, PewDiePie is a uh, a YouTube vlogger who does primarily gaming. And in 2014, he made seven point four million dollars let that sink in for a second pewdiepie who runs a gaming channel made 7.4 million dollars i want you guys to to let that sink in and we're going to discuss that in detail during tomorrow's gaming and entertainment show but think about it that guy is making money strictly off youtube possibly some other stuff and um You know, the thing about it is that that guy's making money off YouTube advertising, and I'm sure there's other revenue coming in, but the guy's making $7.4 million. Um, Ben, you're not in the wrong career, and I'm going to address that in a moment. But the fact is that taking that into consideration, that's, uh, in essence, maybe 20 cents per YouTube view that he's making. So give or take, according to the article I read, it averages out to about 20 cents. With that said, you guys want us to do Patreon, many of you that have reached out, and I'm going to be blunt when I say this. You guys want Patreon. You guys want shows every day. You guys want all this stuff. The $1 Patreon tier with 3,000 downloads means that if each of you decided, hey, I'm going to do a dollar a show, just and and th- and that's just using one show that would give us that would come into roughly three thousand dollars a month, which would allow us to upgrade our equipment, 
maybe, you know, uh, well, not maybe, but definitely pass it on to some of our other hosts to update their equipment, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So before you guys send me an email asking me about Patreon or that you want to help, be aware that, you know, we are going to, we are going to call that in when we put the Patreon back up. We, we are going to, we are going to hold you guys to it because think about it. If PewDiePie is making $7 million at 20 cents of you, we're, we're, we're asking you for a buck and we're not putting it behind a paywall and we're giving you the best content possible every week, all the time. We're trying to limit the advertising. And that's another thing. One guy actually said, you know, I see you guys give plugs and, um, cause this is all the stuff that happens when we don't do shows. You know, you guys are doing plugs. We want to get involved, blah, blah, blah. I gave the guy a rate. He's like, yeah, well, you know, that rate's a little too high. And I'm like, dude, shit costs money. Things cost money. If you guys remember, I was, I was bitching about Facebook and their advertising and, and how that's a kick in the ass. I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, pot meat kettle for one second and say that we started doing Facebook advertising for RageWorks and the shit's paid off. Our fan page numbers are growing. Every day, we're almost at 200 fans on the Facebook fan page just for RageWorks. My Take Radio is well past the 3,000 mark, which, by the way, if you haven't become a fan yet, you should. But this is what I'm saying. It, it costs money to make money, but nobody, nobody wants, you know, everybody has their hand out. Nobody wants to put something in someone's hand. That's all I'm saying. Anyway, let me not belabor this anymore. We got a lot on deck for this show, episode 300. I know a lot of our hosts and staff members are, are chomping at the bit to call in and share their thoughts on MMA and wrestling, and we're going to have that. Ben is going to be joining me shortly. We're going to talk about this week's MMA. Also, our very own Quark is, I know he's chomping to get in here. Um, he came back from his tour of Japan, training with New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, we're going to see if, the, if he learned any of the Japanese strong style to implement on any of the future buried shows. Uh, we're going to talk about WWE's beast from the East. We're going to talk about all the craziness in the world of MMA. We're going to definitely talk about raw and all the other news for the week. As always, you can participate mtrlive.com. Our live audio and chat is in progress. You can also use our call in number, not hit option one, and you can listen to the show that way. And of course, you can call in 347-324-3541 and get ready to share your, your content on air. And we definitely are always ready to listen to the listeners. Again, 347-324-3541 to get that ball rolling. For those of you that are asking, um, this Bruce Lee shirt that I am wearing, uh, same shirt, Robert Downey Jr. wore in the Avengers, uh, the company that does that. I will be sharing the link for it in the show notes. You know, I know you guys try to uh, keep up with all the different shirts. But yes, this this Bruce Lee shirt. Let me move the mic out of the way. Same one. 100 percent. That's the that's the uh, that's the the brute, the DJ Bruce Lee shirt from Avengers. So there you have it. For those of you that want to pick it up, I'll make sure to include a link for that in the show notes. Anyway, let's get this ball rolling jump into some MMA, which, um, by the way, you'll probably not be hearing these bumpers in the coming weeks. We're going to start phasing some of those out as well. But until then, let's get that ball rolling, shall we? 
All right, so MMA has been really, really crazy the last couple of weeks. And the reason it has been is for a multitude of reasons. But reason number one, of course, Conor McGregor. Reason number two, UFC's Reebok fight kits that happened during the week that, you know, during the week we were off air. And um, all the mayhem that has transpired from that. We got some new additions to Bellator. We got one UFC ring card girl that was almost killed by her husband. We're going to get into that. And of course, all the other MMA news of the week. But I believe um, our very own Ben is queued up. So let me bring him in. Ben. What's up, man? What's going on, brother? How's everything? Everything's good, man. Can't complain. Congrats on 300. Thank you, sir. Thank you. You guys are a big part of that. So um, very grateful. So... I know last week you were you were chomping at the bit to want to jump on air and we you know everything fell apart for 300 last week but I wanted to get into the big one um the UFC fight kits the the quote unquote uniforms of the UFC now there were a lot of different things that happened that that really just derailed that obviously the birth of Giblert Melendez um, was definitely a part of that and and all made up a fighter <laughs> it was it was a disaster. So let's 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 acknowledge the elephant in the room. Aside from the Reebok deal in general, what did you think of the quote unquote UFC fight kits? I think it's stupid. I, I just I, I and first of all, it I think a shirt costs ninety dollars, right? Like I can go buy a nice NBA jersey for like sixty. Like, and I don't do that because. Nobody wears jerseys like that, but like you know what I mean. Like who who's going to pay for these? Who? Well, the, the, who who are you marketing these to? No, and, and you're a hundred percent right. Here's the thing: Reebok came into this into this in- arrangement thinking that they could utilize the old affliction extreme couture philosophy from from the early two thousands um, all the way through. I don't know what two thousand ten, maybe eleven, twelve. Um, the fact is, the fact is that at that time, if you remember, these guys had all these deals with all these companies, they were cranking out shirts, you know, they, they were, they were the MMA fan uniform at the time. Don't get me wrong. I'm guilty of owning a couple of affliction shirts. Sue me. But, um, the fact is that they, they were pricing the shirts at 70, 80, 90, a hundred, depending if it was, you know, one of the premium affliction shirts at the time. Now we know how that all worked out for them. But the fact is that that, that, that demographic has grown up and those guys that were paying 50, 60, 70 bucks for a t-shirt back then are us now where it's like, I'm not paying fucking $60 for a t-shirt. You're out your fucking mind. It, I mean, it took, it took some serious, it took some serious balls on my part to buy this shirt. And it was like 30 bucks. And it was just because the material was good. I'm like, all right, this material's good. And I like Bruce Lee. And, you know, it's an up-and-coming company. And, you know, I'm trying to support guys on the come-up. But there's a fine line between supporting guys on the come-up and bending over and taking it up. Seriously. And the fact is that yeah, Reebok, just... Reebok looked at everybody and said, we're going to charge you $90 for a T-shirt. On what planet is that logical? Exactly. Like they're going to have to come off. First of all, I don't want any of these shits anyway. Like none, none of them look like something that people wear. 
it, it, it just <laughs> like I, I don't understand. And and this is not all they have because I saw a picture of Khabib Nurmagomedov um, on his Instagram. They have a shirt for him where like it's a bear wearing some Reeboks, and, it, and that's what Reebok sent him. That's a cool shirt, but these generic ass shirts you got these these random fighters wearing. Nobody wants these. Who who's buying a random shirt for Dan Stidgen? <laughs> who, who who wants that shirt? Well, here here's the trade off. They said that it's um you got three kits. You got your I think it's a black kit, a white kit, and a and a flag. You know, a, a country of origin kit. And you know that's great. You know, no problem. But here's the thing: if you're making a shirt for I don't know Eddie Alvarez. How do you know it's Eddie Alvarez's shirt until you look on the back and you see a small ass Alvarez on the back of it? You know what the big things are on the shirt? Reebok and the UFC. Reebok. It's like, it's like, oh, that's great. It's like, it, fuck. It's like, I didn't know that, that MMA was a team sport and that everybody looked the same. Like there's no, there's no real differentiator for each fighter unless you get into you know the Khabib's or the the Ronda Rousey's the Connor. or the Con- or yeah or the Conor McGregor's, which in his case Reebok just said, "Yo, we're gonna crank out seventeen different shirts for him because yeah. that's Connor, you know well, he'll we'll, sell we'll talk shit." About Conor more later, but he, yeah, he's getting paid <laughs> like, like well, for a guy who has really actually proven nothing. He is <laughs> making dumb amounts of money right now. Well, that's the thing that bothers me about this entire arrangement. A guy like Brendan Schaub, who, who we've talked about this, who cleared a million dollars, a million. Mind you, we both know Brendan Schaub isn't exactly lighting lighting TV ratings on fire when he steps in the cage, but the dude was clearing a million between his fighter pay and his sponsorship pay. And he's losing that, and he's, and he's probably getting from Reebok 10,000, maybe 20,000. So you're going from yeah, a million it, it to twenty thousand. <laughs> their champions aren't even making because, like, I would be shocked if Demetrius Johnson wasn't pulling six figures easy from Xbox, like easy, um, like seven hundred thousand probably just from. And he had one sponsor, so they had to be paying him something. That's all. Like it, it's just. Like, I don't understand, and like, and this is one of the reasons, and you know, there's more reasons, and I'm sure we'll get into them later. This is one of the reasons Dana White is not built for this job anymore, because his his explanation made no sense, oh, we're making him more money. But everything says you're not, but this is better for the fighters. But everything is saying it's not. Well, here's... Like, there was nowhere to spend this. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to give you, I'm going to, I'm going to play Dana White for a minute, and I'm going to do mm-hmm. the correct answers. So, uh, Dana, the, the fighters are going to be shortchanged because of this deal. Do you agree with that? Fuck you. <laughs> uh, that's, that's pretty much what Dana does. Even if he's not saying it outright, that's what he does. Hey, Dana, do you think that a guy like Demetrius Johnson is taking a huge pay cut because of this arrangement? The fuck you say? Get this guy out of here. That's pretty much what has been happening the last couple of weeks. Guys are bringing up relevant yeah. points, and, 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 they're, and they're getting shit-canned as soon as they bring up logical arguments. 
Here's the solution. This Reebok deal benefits guys that have never fought in a major organization. Period. The guys that are fighting on the independents that were getting $150 to show and $500 win bonus, those guys are happy. 100%. Yeah. You know, if I were if I were a guy off the street that the UFC said, hey, you know, we, we've seen a couple of your fights on YouTube and we want to give you a deal, I'd be happier than a pig in shit. Why? Because I went from no money to some money. But when you go into that upper tier, any fighters within the top 10, and this is how it should be structured, top 10 ranked fighters should be paid a set base. Whether it's 25000 50000 that's it. You're in the top 10. That's your starting base. Because if you're that good to be in the top 10, you're that good to get paid twenty five grand. Why? Because you have more sponsors. Saying, my only issue with what you're saying is like, if you go about a UFC's rankings. Nope. You got to create. Their rankings, no. Like, no. Uh, you need you need for anything. No, no, no. You need a governing body, an independent governing body that has rankings. See, the fight nerd who who's who's dude, one of one of the real deals in MMA is in the chat and he said the UFC can perpetually underpay their athletes since they're the only big time league. It's all about prestige for a lot of yeah. these young athletes who are not thinking ahead for the future. And he is 1000% right. Cuz think about it. If you're just on the come up and I'm asking you just as, as you, and, and they said, hey, Ben, you know, mm -hmm. we want to give you a five-fight deal. You know, you're going to get paid for five fights, you know, $250,000, but your entry is guaranteed sponsorship of, you know, $10,000 a fight. You're going to be happy because you were getting paid $1,500 for a fight, you know? Here's the thing, though. Am I getting offered by, at the same time my Bellator, who's letting me have whatever sponsorships I want? Well, here's the thing about the sponsorships, and this is where, and you and I have joked about this, there's, there's real deal sponsors out there that are paying their fighters good money. Yeah. Alienware, uh, you know, all these other companies. Affliction still, sort yeah, of. Yeah, Affliction still, sort of, for some guys. There are legitimate companies out there paying real money. The problem was that if you were, um, you know, Condom Depot, which we joke about a lot, if you're Condom Depot... Yeah, and dude wipes, you know, you got deep pockets. So you're going to say, yo, I'm paying for prime real estate. And that's going to be it. And what happens is that when you're doing a Fox broadcast and it's like the guy in the red trunks and the guy in the blue trunks, you know that the guy in the red trunks, everyone's looking at because his ass says condom depot. Or dude wipes. Like this is these are, or or, you know. It, I mean, don't get me wrong. It's not like any female fighters are coming out sponsored by Always, you know, but, but it's, it's the same <laughs> shit. It's the same shit. Dude wipes. That's all I'm saying. Dude wipes. Like when I finally, when I saw that, and I said, all right, maybe it's, you know, it's a, like, 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 fem like, like masculine, you know, cleaning wipes for your hands or something where you don't smell like baby powder or some shit. When I read what dude no. wipes were, I said, holy shit, this is why they're getting shit canned. This is why all these sponsors are getting yeah. kicked right in the ass. And that's the problem. You ha Here's how, again, I would have created a standard tier with top 10, with, you know, with, with, a, with a gut, with an independent top 10 ranking system, number one, 
Number two, I would have made it unilateral across the board. Number three, I still would have allowed the fighters to get two sponsors from a specified list that can have placement on the front of each leg. Think about it. Yes, Reebok is going to get the best placement. Like the fight nerd just say, the butt is actually one of the most expensive ad spots on a fighter. So think about it. Yeah, Reebok is, is getting, you know, getting the, the, the best placement. But you can't say that you can't let Alienware or Monster or or any of these bigger companies or Xbox or Muscle Farm get gets get a leg on a fighter. Why? I guarantee you, fighters would have been opening would have been open to to letting this Reebok deal be more be more accepted if they weren't just uh, uh, omitting companies that have been with them from the beginning. Like, think about it. Look at look at yeah. look at. Oh. Look at Felice Herrig. Great example. Felice Herrig, hardcore Alienware supporter. Most of the people in Sucker Punch yeah. management are, you know, are, you know, managed by Sucker Punch, work with Alienware. You know Alienware will pay that. You know what I'm saying? They'll be like, yo, uh, per yeah. leg, it's $5,000. You know they'll do that. Yeah, it's... it's there's, there's a couple issues that... Also making them do this in the first place, this seems really unethical to me. If they're all supposed to be independent contractors, like like the WWE, the UFC loves to throw that around when certain things happen. They're right. independent contractors. Yeah, they do. Okay, throw- why are we all wearing uniforms? Well, here's here's the kicker with that. And, and, and I understand where you're coming from, but much like WWE, you got to remember that while you're representing the organization, there's a certain quid pro quo that has to be there. I.e., I pay you money, you don't make me look like an asshole. You know, like when like when WWE instituted their dress code for superstars, you see that most of the time when wrestlers are on TV, they're not wearing jeans and a t-shirt unless you're Dean Ambrose and it's part of your character, or or unless you're Bray Wyatt or 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 those guys, but everybody else, clean cut. You gotta look the part. The only exception bef- aside from that was CM Punk because he didn't give a fuck. And he said that in plenty of interviews. Yeah, all these guys are in suits and shit. I'm hearing a t-shirt for another wrestler and a hoodie. Why? Because I didn't give a shit. <laughs> you know, but, but at I the mean, end of- CM Punk is a special breed. Right, right, right. <laughs> but, that's, but that's what I'm saying. You know, the company said this is what we expect. The NBA, when they did their dress code, think about it. The NBA just got tired of dudes wearing giant gold fists and Steve Harvey suits to, to, to press conferences. I mean, don't get me wrong. They don't dress any better now because some of those guys are dressed questionable at, at best. And we've joked about that as well. <laughs> the fact is that the UFC is exercising their right to, to have their fighters be represent their organization a certain way. And they said that. They're like, listen, for our events and for all our shit, you got to wear our stuff. You want to go and do a club, a club promotion, or a gym promotion, or you want to go to San Diego Comic-Con, or E3, you can wear whatever the fuck you want. But if it's on our dime, this is what we want you to do. And that's where, you, you know, to, to quote the fight nerd, he says, they take, they take advantage of the inexperience of fighters and managers. The same way that they've taken away yeah. their likeness rights. Because think about it, yo, we want you in this game. But yeah, we'll fire you and not pay you. You will never get paid for it. <laughs> oh, they don't get paid for it while they're under contract. They don't get paid for it. You know? That's a thing. Like I, uh, I remember reading not too long ago. Like even if you're under contract, you're not getting paid for your likeness and video. Games. Nope. 
Because now, like for instance, John Jones and Gustafson got paid because they were on the cover. Right. They didn't get paid because they were in the game. Right. Like it doesn't matter if you were in the game or not. They're not gonna pay you. Yep. <laughs> like I said, the best the 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 best compromise should have been Reebok gets prime placement. You can get we'll give one leg to each advertiser, but Reebok gets ass and crotch. I mean, it sounds terrible to say it like that, but Reebok gets ass and crotch. One sponsor and they per get the, leg. The, the thing, the banner. Yep, and they get the banner. That's it. I guarantee you companies would have been like, all right, we can rock with that. All right, one leg. Let's make the coolest logo possible for this left leg or this right leg, you know? Yeah, but I don't know. It's just, it, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I, I just felt like it. I just, I just don't like the idea of making them all wear uniforms because it takes it, it strips away the individuality from a lot of players. Oh yeah, that that's I mean, without a doubt. Like Donald Cerrone, you know, like Donald Cerrone has a piece of his old Muay Thai shorts always sewn into his fight shorts. Like, are they going to still let him do that? Because I, I don't see why they wouldn't still let him do. Yeah, that. Yeah, they'll let him do that. It's not like it's an advertising. Anymore. Right. But, that's a tradition. Like, that's a tradition. Like, that, like little. Yeah, but like it just just little things like that. Like it, it was nice to see the individual individuality of fighters and it's it's unfortunate that for a bunch of fighters that's going to be taken away from them. now you know the main fighter i mean hell Connor, you know like you said Conor mcgregor probably coming out with some custom-made special irish shorts yep um but you know it's they weren't going to do that for jose Aldo, well, which we'll get into later well here's, <laughs> like, here, well, here's so a good just, here's a good example not to cut you off but think about it when George St. Pierre fought, dude, he had no advertising. He had one affliction floor de lis and the rest of his trunks were blank. Why? Because affliction paid a fuck ton of money to ensure that nothing oh, yeah. else was on his shorts. And that's how it is. You know, Reebok, they should get the bigger portion. But if you got the two prime candidate spots, you can shell out for the leg, you know? Yeah. I don't know. It's just, it, I wish I wish they had gone gone with a compromise like that instead yep. of just strictly being like you can't do anything else with Reebok and Reebok's going to basically pay you a fraction of what you were getting paid before. Well, the the to, the fight nerd to to bring this full circle says Zufa's on the road to making the UFC more like the NFL to give it a cleaner appearance for mainstreamers who may be befuddled by all these ads on a person's body. The UFC is looking to eliminate that individuality since they've been banning companies from sponsoring people for years. Why not just take it a step further and control yeah. it completely with the Reebok deal? That is true because you remember they started saying like, nope, we don't want this sponsor. Nope, we don't want that sponsor. And the funny it's thing was... Like Petorian for some reason. Like yep. they, they banned Petorian for some reason. Well, you want to know something crazy? When, when I go, you know, I, tra I, I train at the UFC gym here. And dude, all the, the, mm. the non-Reebok stuff was marked down to like, 50 and 60 and 75 percent off they gotta get it out it was all reebok stuff like rvca you know like real again like rvca why wouldn't you want to let rvca get a leg on a fighter they're a legit company it's not like they're fucking dude wipes <laughs> unfortunately with, with this deal they're about to kill a lot of those type of companies yep. um they killed fight chicks too like fight chicks was gonna promote at the UFC Fan Expo, and they're like, nope, it's only going to be Reebok and Muscle Farm stuff. You can have a booth, but yeah. you can't promote your gear. It's like, all right, so then why do I want a booth for? Yeah, so <laughs> it's unfortunate that they're about to kill a lot of the mom, the, the smaller mom-and-pop style fight companies are about to get killed. 
and it's unfortunate. It is. It is terrible. But I'm glad you mentioned um, Jose Aldo because for many people that don't know, Jose Aldo is not fighting Conor McGregor this weekend. Uh, Chad Mendes is, mm-hmm. is stepping up in Jose Aldo's place, and he will be fighting Conor McGregor for an interim title because, you know, why can't they just fight because the guy is injured? No, we got to create a belt because wham, <laughs> motherfucker, wham. Um, oh, I, like, I, like, I have so much to say about that. <laughs> I like, again, dude, I like Conor McGregor. I like what he's doing for the sport. I like that he's just out there in your face just being that guy, mm-hmm. and it's great. But even me, as a guy that likes him, it's like, dude, I got it. I got it. You're a bad motherfucker. I understand, but there, when when it when does it get to a point where it goes overboard? When I see the guy plugging Game of War while he's while he's while he's oh, while he's sparring, show us your war face. I'm like, all right, got it, I got it, fuck yeah. And and that and that brings me to the oh go ahead. Well, no, that brings me to the next part. Jose Aldo, as much as people don't want to acknowledge that. He did kind of fuck the UFC too, because I won't go that far because he actually got a fractured wrist. No, 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 I'll go. I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Do you think for one instant that Jose Aldo wanted to lose that fucking payday? Absolutely. We talked. Actually, no. we, you and I actually talked about this before we took the break, um, the week prior. When we to- when we mentioned um, about Jose Aldo's possible injury, I said, "Yo, um, I know for a fact that dude did not want that to get out." Oh no, I know for a fact that Jose Aldo probably people, people want to act as if um and, and the UFC <laughs> uh helped this along. Yep. Mostly Dana White, of course, this narrative along. Yes, he that does. He ducked out this fight. Yep, he didn't duck he it out. He had a fractured rib. Yep. Like, I've never fractured a rib, but I know people who have. I have. Um, Sucks. You're not fighting. You, 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 he, wasn't, he wasn't fighting. And he damn, he has trouble making 145. Yep. Healthy. That's right. If he then has a broken rib, he damn sure ain't making 145. Let, he might have came in there at 160. Let me tell you. <laughs> my, my, my mom, before, you know, while she was ill, they gave her a hospital bed. So me... Mm-hmm. And and my and my brother put together said hospital bed. And the hospital bed, if you know hospital beds, got a big ass headboard that helps everything move up and yeah. down. So I tell my brother, listen, hold this headboard while I bolt it in. Do not drop it. Gee, what happened? He dropped it. What did I get? Fractured rib for my troubles. Let me tell you, sucks. Hurts to breathe, hurts to laugh, hurts to bend down, hurts to take a shit, hurts, period, hurts. There's no, there's no, there's no negotiating around the pain either. Hurts. You got to sleep, you got to sleep like a fucking zombie. You can't even move. Oh, it sucks. And I understood. It's like, yo, he is hurt. But I also understood that he was going to get fucking paid. (laughs) And he yes. was he was not I ready. To... You, he didn't want it to happen. Yep. Like it, I keep I, I look, my issues with this is one. There's no reason for this interim belt. Nope. At all. None. There's another title fight on, on the card. card. Yep. Elevate that. Keep Connor on the card 
fighting Chad Mendez. Yep, as Number a co-main. One, in the fight. As it's a co-main. that simple. You didn't even have to take him. You don't have to take him off the card. Just keep him as a co-main event. Yep. The UFC, the UFC is so got such a hard on to get Conor a belt that they're about to give him a fake belt. Like there is no Jose Aldo's coming back in October. Yep. That's it. He's he's coming back. But and Dana White is insinuating that this is punishment for what? Like for getting hurt? Pulled out of five fights. Yeah, but, but he's also fought twice a year since 2012. Well, so he's defended that belt in the UFC seven times. Dude, here's here's a better here's a better record. The motherfucker hasn't lost in years. Why don't you respect the guy? Twenty-five and one. Why don't you respect the dude and let the guy rock and be like, yo, all right, you're hurt, McGregor, Chad. You guys are gonna fight. Winner gets Aldo Aldo in October if 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 you're not too damaged to fight in October. All right. Done, but to go back to what you said, they're hit, and, and we and you and I have joked about this, dude. We're three hundred episodes in. I think you and I have joked about this since episode one hundred. They hitch their wagons to these guys, and and then when the guys blow, when it blows up in their face, they don't know what to do with themselves. They don't know. Here's here's the thing too. Here's the thing too. Jose Aldo, I thought I was gonna beat him. He has a worse matchup now. Yep. Like, it, I, I know people like Conor style, right? And it, it's fun to watch. Oh, it's he tremendous. He has no lateral movement. He, he doesn't move laterally. And Tad Mendez is going to take him down repeatedly. Yep. I, don't think, I, I, I don't think people realize what Chad Mendez is about. Chad Mendez might strike with him some. He's going to take him down. Well, here's what I and said. And then we'll see what he looks like on the ground. Well, here's what I said, too. We haven't seen enough of McGregor to even know if he has a ground game, so there's that. But the fact is that Jose Aldo was going to stand and bang with him. You know that. That wasn't even a question. Jose Aldo's mm-hmm. like, yo, I'm going to kill you standing in your at your own game. Chad Mendes is going in there because he's like, I can get a belt. <laughs> you know, like Chad Mendes is going in there to get a belt by any means necessary. Not to say that Chad Mendes isn't going to get murdered, death, killed, by Jose Aldo when he comes back. But but the fact remains that, you know, McGregor knew he was going to be standing with Jose Aldo. That was that was practically a definite. Yeah, I mean, Jose Aldo could have took him down. Yep. But that's not... Not the same not type of offense. Fights. It's not that he... Yeah, like, he, he Jose Aldo's thing is he's probably the best defensive wrestler I've ever seen in NBA. Right. Like you're not getting him down and keeping him there. Nope. I mean, if you get him down, he's going to get back up. That's he's his, got a good that's sprawl. His game. Now, he can take you down. Yeah, he can take you down, but he's not. He'll do it if he's tired. He's not going He's not Chad Mendez. The bell's going to ring, and he's going to launch himself across the ring and double-leg you. Like, I don't think. And, like, I keep hearing Chad, um, Conor McGregor. Now, I know it's kind of bravado, but I think he believes this. Is I'm going to dominate him and grab him. No, they're not. Here's like, the, you're, here's you're the not. thing. <laughs> Conor McGregor Conor McGregor is using the Muhammad Ali school of fight promotion. You know that. That's uh, everybody's like, "Oh, Conor McGregor, Conor McGregor. I'm like, "He's channeling Muhammad Ali." That's all he's doing. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to knock him out in a second. I'm going to knock him out in a third. He ain't going to get up tomorrow cuz I'm going to put him to sleep. You know, it's it's okay. We got it. The thing is, and this yeah. is what this is what I've said. We haven't seen enough of Conor in in in, in the deep rounds. It's the same thing we said with Ronda. Haven't seen enough in the deep water to know. 
Now, don't don't misunderstand. They could they could go in there and McGregor can surprise everybody and show that he has an awesome ground game. He could. It could happen. But Chad Mendez is is a is a compact dude. He generates power with minimal effort. Like Jose Aldo has power because he's conditioned to have it. You get what I'm saying? Like there's yeah, natural it's strength. Right. You're, yeah. you're, you're molding clay and then, you know, you're molding the clay into a killing machine versus the guy that has it. It's like Chad Mendez has a lower center of gravity than Jose Aldo. That means that his, his double leg is not going to be a regular double leg. It's not going to that. You're not getting that. You know what I mean? The, the, the yeah, grip strength. He, like the, I said, he's going to launch. Yep. <laughs> the grip strength that you're going to get on the ground from Jose Aldo, who may have BJJ versus, um, you know, Chad Mendez, who's wrestling, who's, whose entire, whose entire basis is grabs and, and, and stifling. You know, that's, that's, that's all you have. I, I mean, don't get me wrong. Conor McGregor can go in there and channel Bruce Lee all he wants, but it's like, you, you better be ready to, to have a sprawl in place. Yeah. And, and I, I've heard, um, things about his gym where they don't really train for specific fighters and stuff like that. Uh, sometimes that is necessary because this is a completely different style of fighter that you're fighting. And Chad, Chad Mendes can strike too. I mean, that's my thing. Like it, there's a good chance that he loses this fight. And also, it it just irks me, like, how much the UFC just really wants to put a belt on Conor. Exactly. And, and I don't blame Conor. Nope. I, I don't blame Conor at all because Conor is bringing eyeballs that wouldn't have been on this fight to this fight. Yep. And, I, and I think even Jose Aldo, even though he probably despises Conor, is happy that he had a Conor because now people wanted to see this fight. Right. That's great. Well, like, the but fight. The UFC is so, like, I need to give him a belt. Like yep. this ain't they wrestling. Are. No, you don't have to put a belt on somebody for them to be legitimate. Like, you know what I mean? Like, no, this, I agree. This ain't the WWE where you need to put a belt on. Like, you right. don't. You could have had them do the number one contender. Even if he lost, there's still so many great matchups, and the way he talks that he could have. He he's to the point where people aren't neutral on him anymore. No, you either want to see him or you want to see him get knocked the fuck out. Well, here's the thing. That's though. cool. The, the fight nerd says Mendez okay. versus McGregor is still a pretty compelling match, which speaks to the depth of, of the weight class. And it's true. There, there, yeah. There's way too many killers in that weight class. Dude, you could have made it McGregor and Frankie Edgar, and everybody would still be glued to that set. I was I was thinking it was going to be that, and for Dana White to come out and be like, well, there's no reason to do that. Kind of makes me think they, they protected McGregor yeah. some. Yeah. And... And I feel like with that, they were kind of like, we either have Frankie who could beat the hell out of him for five rounds. Not knock him out, beat the shit out of him for five rounds. Yep, and win by decision. Can, you know, and win by decision and make it where he, why would you want to see him find anybody else? Like right. he, could, he could do, Frankie could go do what he did to Cub Swanson and make Conor McGregor quick. I don't think he would. I, I think Frankie would beat him, but I don't think it would be that dominating. But that's a possibility. And well, Chad, okay, if he wins, it might be nip and tuck, or he might knock him out. But it might be in a way, it's, it's less in a way. It's questionable in every way that breaks, it could pan out. Yeah, it it, it, it breaks the, the mystique. Yep. It, Frank, Frankie out here can destroy everything you've built. 
And I I feel like the UFC and, and for Dana and Dana should shut the fuck up with stuff like that. Like oh, it makes no sense. Why would why does it make no sense? Just say we wanted to get the fight to Chad Mendes. Like don't disparage Frankie for no reason. I hate when Dana does. Like why are you yep. disparaging Frankie? Like, I agree. There was no reason to say well it makes no sense. The fuck does it make no sense for? I don't understand. He just beat like three top five fighters. Why does it make it not make any sense? Well, here's the thing too. You look at their own rankings, their own rankings. That's yep, all. Up until yesterday, Frankie was hiding Chad Mendes. Thank you. Up until like yesterday. There you go. It totally became unconvenient. Yeah, it became. I it mean, be, it became exactly that, and that's what happens. The problem is that the promoters and and like I said before, they hitch their wagons on these guys. And think about it. And and, and you may agree with this. Every guy that the UFC has hitched their wagon to, and I mean hitched their wagon to, excluding Ronda, it's blown up in their face. Every guy. Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar. John Jones. When John Jones actually woke up and didn't want to take their shit, he was another one. Think about it. Every guy (laughs) that they've invested all their money in, it blows up in their face. GSP, he's like, yo, I'm done. Like GSP, who was who was you know the 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 scion of the uh, of the company at that point, the guy was as mainstream as it got. Buy this with your money, you know the guy. The guy was as mainstream <laughs> as you as it got, and you know, it's 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 one of those things where every one of those guys woke up and realized that I don't need this shit. It's like the 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 uh, the fight nerd says that's the problem when you have an overly vocal boss who has no concept of subtlety. <laughs> It's true. Yeah, that's that's the thing. Like, I mean, I know people shit on like the the commissioner of the NFL, um, but you swap them, Dana White could not run the fucking NFL. Nope, he could <laughs> not. And I bet Roger Goodell would do a better job running the UFC because there wouldn't be like these outlandish comments made. There's no reason to say ninety percent of the shit Dana says. There's no reason to say that. Nope. There's Scott Coker could run this better than him. Yeah, but here's, like, because Scott Coker at least is going to stop before he says something stupid. This is true, but here's here's the thing with with the UFC, and this is this is the this is the the double edged sword. You need a guy like Dana for those instances where the organization can't sell itself with its fights only. Like I said, it's a it's a it's a it's a give and take. It's like you give Dana the mic, get ready to take some bullshit from the media. You don't give him the mic. You better pray to God that you got a guy that can sell the entire organization. Like, see, like McGregor and Mendez, they don't need they don't need Daddy Dana. You know what I'm saying? They could sell that. Don't need him. Not necessary. You know what I mean? Don't no. need you don't need that. You don't need him to sell Ronda's fight with Beck Correa because that fight is guaranteed. Period. The yeah, problem like, the, the problem is that it, he wants certain, to. Okay. No, I was going to say he wants to fan the flames to the point where you're turning a simple a simple roasting of marshmallows into a full on pig roast. <laughs> yeah. That's I mean, it. And, and that's how I felt with this fight. Like after like because I was I was really looking forward to the chairman. I mean, the, the, the Conor McGregor, Jose Aldo fight. I heard Jose Aldo was injured. I'm like, oh, damn. And then Chad Mendes was in. I was like, that's a good fight. Then Dana started talking. And yep. it was like. Dude, shut the fuck up. Like, let Conor McGregor say all the outlandish shit he wants. Like, you know, like, this is the real belt now. 
Jose Otto's never coming back. Let him say all the outlandish shit he wants. That's his job. Dude, you don't gotta say shit. Dude, I was sold <laughs> I was sold on that fight when I saw that UFC embedded video, you know, where they show Conor McGregor getting off at the airport. <laughs> and, and he's mm-hmm. like, he does that little video where he's like, uh, you're watching, you're watching Die Hard on Fox, yippee kaye, motherfucker. <laughs> and I'm just like, this is gonna be good. And they're doing the call, and he's like, I'm gonna butcher you on the feet, I'm gonna butcher you on the ground. And Mendez is like, How are you gonna butcher me on the ground if you're gonna be on your back? I'm gonna kill you. And 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 it's like that alone, that exchange made me made me want to see that fight because you got Chad Mendez like. Yo, what did Connor say? I don't know. I wasn't listening. And it's like, that's enough. That's enough to sell that fight, dude. <laughs> exactly. Like, especially with Connor. Connor, like I said earlier, Connor is at the point where you as a promoter don't have to do anything nope. but give him the microphone. Yep. He gift wraps fights. Give him the microphone and back up. That's it. Because he, he is going to sell a fight. <laughs> I mean, that's. I, that's what he's going to do. I yep. mean, he, and he is excellent at it. He is one of the, he is, he is the best talker I've seen in MMA because he's better than Chell Sonnen because Chell Sonnen lost a lot. <laughs> Conor McGregor has lost once. And though he's been kind of gifted fights in the UFC, I'll, the only real fight he's had in the UFC was Max Holloway and Max Holloway was kind of injured at the time. They were both injured. Right. And Dustin Poirier who has terrible defense. Those are the only two real fights he's had, like because I mean Diego Brandau and and uh, the German dude, yeah, Dennis Dennis Seaver. Yeah, th- those weren't. <laughs> he wasn't going to lose those fights. Those were gift wrap fights. And, and you, yeah, like the, go beat him up. Yep, go do that. And, and I and I loved and like I said, I loved the moment after that fight where he jumped out the ring, you know, mm-hmm. ran up on Aldo like he was going to do something. Which I found funny, and also found funny when people on the internet like Aldo was scared of McGregor. Like Aldo grew up in a favela in Brazil. Yep. Um, he ain't scared. He ain't of shit. scared of this pasty Irish dude. No. no. <laughs> here's the here's the thing I like. Yeah, I Jose Aldo said, "Yo, how do you feel about him fighting for the for the for an interim belt?" And he's like, "They're just giving him that belt so he can have something at, the, at when he goes to the bars with his friends." I was like, "Wow." Like, like Jose Aldo just, he, he, Jose Aldo just does a mic drop and leaves the room every time. And that's good. That's what, and, and that's what I loved about the, the, my issue with, with, with that, with them being paraded around was never their exchanges outside of when Conor McGregor grabbed his belt. Yeah. Unless that was discussed beforehand that he was going to do that. He is lucky Jose Aldo didn't smack him because I would have. Yeah. Don't touch my belt. Like I would have smacked him. Well, he said, he said. (laughs) He said the week before they announced that he was injured, he's like, yo, if it ends up that we got a brawl before that fight, he's like, I'm game. I was like, wow. <laughs> yeah, like, like, cause like, if it, it, it just, just the way I'm built. Yep. It's just his framework for that. Like, Jose Aldo's like, listen, I'm, I'm, if we got a scrap at a weigh in, you know, he's like, if we got a scrap at a weigh in, I'm game. Like, for a dude like Jose Aldo, again, who has everything to lose in an, in a pre-fight injury to say, yo, I'm game to punch this guy in the face at a press conference. I'm like, well, and, shit. And I wouldn't have put it past him to do nope. it because, because you know how Connor acts. Yes. Like Connor would have done something or, or something. And Joe, Adam might've put his hands around his throat. Yep. Right there. And I would, and I would have loved it. I would I like that. Yep. Like, I love when John Jones and Daniel Cormier were about to fight. And I love that it didn't end after the fight. Nope. 
<laughs> like I love I love the DX cross shot. I love that it didn't end after the fight. Not, not I, the, I like when fighters legitimately don't like each other. Nothing. And I, I think and I and I don't think Jose Aldo actually I don't know how much he dislikes him per se. No, he's he's Jose Aldo dislikes him about as much as the Joker really dislikes Batman. You know, as a comic book fan, you know that the Joker's always said, I could never kill you because I'd be fucking bored. You know, like Jose Aldo hates him, but needs him. Like you could see it. Yeah. Like, he's I, like, I fucking hate this guy, but this motherfucker is going to get me paid. That's what he's looking at. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I think he was less upset with some of the stuff Connor said than some of the bullshit his fans said, like, dude in Boston, right? Like, How's it feel that you're going to die? Like, <laughs> like, Dude, what the fuck is wrong? With you? Like, I, I hate fans. Like, I, I hate. Like, I, I shouldn't say I hate fans. I hate some fans of sports. Well, I mean, you've heard the rant so much. Like, fans are stupid. Yep. <laughs> well, while we're on the subject of beef, we're gonna we're gonna take that as an opportunity to segue into Bellator's newest acquisition, uh, the very the very very outspoken Josh Koscheck, who has already come into Bellator saying that you're gonna call. Paul Daly, pussy boy, from now on. <laughs> G- Paul Daly will rip his head off at this G- point of their career. <laughs> but but let me let, let me just say this: Mortal Kombat rip his head off. But let me just say it like this: Who did not think this was gonna happen? As soon as I, as it's, hell, they, they knew they knew <laughs> what they were doing. But like, and and you know what? And I give Paul Daly credit because Paul Daly's actually handled it like an adult. You oh yeah. Right. Well, if he wins a fight, then we can fight. No, he like, put up. That's he, basically what Paul Daly said well, on his. That's the one face, I saw. Paul Daly said on his Facebook page, and I quote: "Josh Koscheck talking a lot of shit as normal, but the two main things he mentions are for real. Daly versus Koscheck two will happen, and the fight will be massive, breaking records, and the bank." So I don't know about all that. But, <laughs> yeah, but you know Bellator. Bellator gives us the freak show fights, and they book them like they're they're some next level god tier shit. Kimbo Shamrock, we're looking at well, you. This this, this <laughs> isn't this was this is not a this is less of a freak show because Paul Daly is still a legit fighter. True, but Josh the beef Koscheck is real. Is not. But the beef is real. <laughs> oh, the beef is real. I I like I said, like I expect if that fight happens, if Koscheck doesn't get him down within the first couple seconds, he's going to sleep. He will have his spine ripped out of his body. Like Paul Daly is not Paul Daly really doesn't like him. And and I would really like to know what he was saying to him on the ground when he was holding him down, because he had to have been saying something to him for him to get up and try to hit you after the bell. Yep. And I wouldn't put a pass. Josh Koscheck to be just saying terrible things to him. Yep. And so like, if they fight again, like, if Paul Daly beats the shit out of him, I would not be surprised. Well, this goes back to what you said on on one of the shows not too long ago about Kevin Durant's shit talking and how he talks a whole lot of shit, but he won't he won't step outside to to fight you. Yeah. <laughs> tell me, tell me, it's not the same thing because yeah. you know Josh Koscheck's like, yo, we're gonna fight, we're gonna fight, and it's like, okay, great. Mm-hmm. And sh- sh- Scott Coker's gonna be like, all right, then y'all are fighting. And Paul Daly's like, oh, so we are. And 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 when Coker goes, yeah, Paul Daly's like, I'm going to smash this dude <laughs> in the first minute. Yeah, like Paul Daly, <laughs> I expect 
it, this fight either goes one or two ways. Like, either Paul Daly comes out too aggressive and gets taken down, even though I don't think Koscheck is still at the physical ability to hold him there. Um, he gets taken down. Or Paul Daly destroys him. Yep. Like, just in a couple seconds. Because Josh Koscheck is not built like that anymore. No, no, no. That, it's... <laughs> It's a it's a bit it's a big it's a, it's a it's a it's a very very disparaging very very major difference between those those two guys from their fight in 2010 to now. It's five yeah. years, and Paul Daly hasn't exactly lost a step. <laughs> no, he he, in some ways, is better. Right. <laughs> so you know, there's definitely well, a, a lot of a lot of know. craziness there. I did. I did want to tell you that um, Diego Lima got cut. Oh yeah, yeah. I saw that. He is not his brother. Nope. Um, <laughs> That's why I wanted to tell you uh, for that reason. Yeah. He uh, Douglas Lima is legitimately like a top, bottom half, top five welterweight in the world, and Diego is not very good. I mean, <laughs> that's kind of how it how it how it shook up for them. It seems. Yeah, well, you know, you know what's crazy. Um, Dan Henderson signed a six-fight deal with the UFC, and he said he wants a rematch with Vitor Anderson and Gegard Mousasi. So um, <laughs> he said the best line is this: He said when he wanted to to fight Vitor, he said, "You know, it's a little bit of a different fight. Fight. It's a little bit different fighting him in the states rather than where his doctor is head of the athletic commission." I think we've already seen changes in Vitor. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't mind seeing him fight Vitor again. I wouldn't mind watching him fight Anderson again. He would get hurt by Gagar Masasi. Yeah. Uh, and the reason they did this is so he didn't go to Bellator. Yep. That, that's it. Like, he's not fighting all six of these fights. Hell no. <laughs> he might get two wins. Man, when I read it, I was like, it, it was like when we joked about Anderson Silva's six fight deal. I'm like, yeah, okay. Yeah, I don't. If Anderson Silva ever fights again, the way they suspending people three years and then chill. Like yeah. <laughs> well, uh, while we're on the subject of suspension, man, Gilbert Melendez pissing hot was crazy. Yeah, that that was a shocking one. Yep. Um, and, and I don't want to judge the conclusion that he was on steroids. Um, because from what I read, it was he had heightened levels of testosterone. So I won't jump to the conclusion he was on steroids. He was on something. Um, but uh, that, that was surprising because he's a, he's a dude I would never have expected. Yep, never kind of the, the piss hot. Um, but, maybe for you know, weed. I mean, <laughs> maybe for weed. Yeah, for weed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I would. That wouldn't surprise me at all. But um, it, it it's just shocking, man, that, that he he pissed hot and, and now he's gone for a year and. At his age, I mean, not we, the we move. Seen the last of yep, and and the yeah, funny thing I, was, he was he didn't even contest. He was like, "Yep, regrettably, he put he his statement was regrettably I tested positive in my post fight urine sample. I did not inject anything, but I am responsible and accept the consequences for the results. I will make sure I'm better educated about the products I use and their implications. Going forward, I will ensure no products I use will contain banned substances." I am sincere. I am sincerely apologetic to everyone who supports me, including my fans, sponsors, and the UFC. I value your trust and respect, and will do everything in my power to keep it. Obviously, that kills his fight with Ali Akinta. But the thing that got me out of this ent- entire thing is the UFC spending money to get Reebok and training facilities and shit. 
Why can't they spend money to to have to have a committee oversee fighter supplementation? Like, how is nobody out there legitimately looking at like, hey, send us a list of what you're on just to make sure everything is clean? But the thing with that is that I forget how many fighters they have exactly under uh, contract, but that's a lot of moving parts. Um, so I mean I don't I don't blame the UFC for this because as an oh, athlete, no, I don't. You know, and we we both play sports at some time like it's your responsibility to know what you're putting in your body and let me give Melinda said like it's my fault and you know and even hell Mike Richmond who got suspended I think like three years or something yeah something crazy like that yep he, he same well it's, well he he sort of said he was on steroids um he, he didn't dispute steroids at all which was surprising but. You know, I mean, these dudes know what they put in their bodies. And now if you mess up and, you know, you put something in that you didn't know, you know, had something in it that you shouldn't have had, okay, but it's your responsibility to know what's in it and what's banned. This is true, but, uh, you know, I got a, a communique from, from my buddy Blackstone. He says the question is not who's doing it. The question is who's not doing it. And that's true, too. See, I don't think it's is. See, here's my thing with that. Like, I don't think, I think maybe like about 50% of the fighters maybe are doing something. Yep. But I don't think it's as, like, because I've seen people say like as high as 80%. I don't think it's that high. That depends on the guy. It depends on the guy too, man. And because you got to remember the, the drug game, it's like, hey, we got new ways to test for this. That's great. We got new ways to fucking skirt this. <laughs> yeah. But like, like, like dudes like John Jones. Like, I don't think John Jones is on steroids. Coke, yeah, steroids. No, like I just like certain dudes. Like I just don't see them. But you, you know what I mean? Like being the. No, and and I I understand where you're coming from, but you got to look at this. It doesn't any any drugs that are considered performance enhancing don't all have to be, you know, as clear cut as they seem. Um, you know, yeah. like like speed or or you know uh what uh drugs to 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 aid in 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 weight cutting or drugs that help get rid of yeah. water yeah they're they're they may not quote unquote fall under the ped umbrella but they're still enhancing something maybe you're you know maybe maybe yeah. you're cutting water faster you know maybe you know growth hormone yeah which I is mean, a great yeah. example Dude, how the fuck are you testing Hell, for, that? for that? You know, think about it. How are you testing for growth yeah. hormone with, with with the UFC's run of the mill testing policy? IGF one is yeah, another no, one. I, yeah, no, I mean, uh, you you can get popped for just about anything, man. I mean, like, like I I, I probably uh, said it on the show before. Like in high school, I got in trouble for taking a diuretic that I didn't know I shouldn't take. Yep. Like, you I mean there's 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 a bunch of different things you can get in trouble for and, and get popped for now. It's, I, I'd be interested to know exactly how many guys, but what, I mean, they're, they're doing this more stringent testing. I think starting like now, actually. Right. I think but, it started at the beginning of July. So we'll, we'll see how many more guys get yep, popped. Because that's, that's going to be the real question. Well, think about this. Think about it. You said, Hey, I used the diuretic. I shouldn't have used right now. If somebody mm-hmm. says, Ben, you know, that was enhancing your performance. You're going to say, how if I was just cutting weight more, you know, if I was cutting weight faster. Yeah, because it's enhancing the performance of how your body 
cuts weight. You know, it, it, there's it, like I said, the definition yeah. of that is always going to be something that's going to look at by different people on an interim basis. Like Gilbert Melendez, you probably say to him, yo, man, you were cheating. And he's going to say, nah, I wasn't. It's like, yeah, dude, you were, you were, you were cheating the way that your body fucking operates. Like that's, these are the facts. You know what I mean? Like, like the dude has to eat the suspension. And the problem is, like you said, it's the guy's not, you know, a 22 year old guy anymore. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, he's up there in age, so, and, you know, that last fight, whatever he took didn't help him because after that first round, he kind of stopped fighting. Yep. So, now, I, I don't know, but, you know, but. Well, the, um, the other thing I wanted to talk about, I mentioned this before, the, the thing that TMZ dropped about Brittany Palmer's husband almost killing her, um, the dude attacked her. This happened June 11th. They, had a, they got into a fight in her apartment. And it all started because she was on the phone with a casting agent and the casting agent called her babe and um, they got it got physical when he tried to grab the phone and he hit her. He threw her. She hit her head against the bedpost. And um, afterwards, he pressed her face into the mattress with his knee on her back. <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck is going on with with with, with the ring girls like you had? Ariani nearly killing that guy in that one scrap that she they, got into. This girl they, almost getting they killed made by Charmel her husband. Disappear. Huh? They made Charmel disappear. Yep. Charmel just fell. The black one. Yep. Oh, yeah. It was like, oh, yeah, you got this questionable video footage floating out there. Okay. But, um, yeah. Yeah, I don't, man. Them. Besides the fact, and, and I'll never think I, I've, I've gone on this rant to my fiance, but I, I don't think I've ever done this on the show. Like, ring girls are useless. They they have no purpose. Um, but they shouldn't be getting attacked. Like, I, I don't understand. Like, this is clearly he has some anger issues that he needs to work out somewhere. Well, dude, um, when she got married, I saw the dude. And, you know, sometimes you see a dude and, and, and you're like, you know, the, the dude looks kind of sketchy. And it's like, you know, it's probably just the photos. But I'm like, yo, that dude looks like a like a bit of a head case. And then reading that shit, I was like, well, fuck, guess I was right. <laughs> Looks like you beat women. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was, I was like, wow. You know? And, 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 and then after, after he tried to, to, to basically kill her, he scratched his own arms and yelled, why are you making me do this? I just wanted you to love me. <laughs> so clearly he has some issues that he needs to work out. Um, Hopefully, like she doesn't do like you know the the stupid thing and take him back because he's clearly insane. Um, you know, <laughs> yeah. she was a date uh, Donald Cerrone, I believe. Uh, yeah, well, may- so. maybe that would have worked out a lot better. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yo, I couldn't, I couldn't even <laughs> yeah, believe I, that. Like, I just visualized this. I just visualized this guy just scratching himself, going, "Why don't you love me?" Just. I'm like, wow, clearly, just, <laughs> clearly out of your fucking mind. And then on top of that, he got he got released on a million dollars bail. It's like, yo, where where did you have a million dollars? <laughs> what? How does? What, yeah, what, like, what does she do to have a million dollars? Because Brittany Palmer ain't got a million. She might. I mean, she's been in Playboy a couple times. Yeah, but uh, dude, he got a attempted murder, spousal battery, and criminal threats. And then he was released on a million dollars bail. Here's the thing. The following day, (laughs) 
But here's and then and then to add to it, TMZ writes that the Los Angeles city attorney will decide to charge him or not. <laughs> or not. That's the key word here. Or not. <laughs> yeah. To be to be rich and <laughs> to be rich. I know if I did any of those things, I would be in jail. Yep. And being charged. So <laughs> it's like it's like, yo, Ma, can I put you in the crippler crossface or nah? <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. So, I mean, shit. I, I hope. I hope for her sake he ain't coming back home. Like, I, dude, I, that's. And I hope he gets charged, man, because that's not that's not cool. Nope. Not it, well. It goes back to what you and 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 Taylor were talking about. Just like all the NFL dudes getting popped for stuff, and it's like you know, depending on how deep that bankroll is, it's like eh, anger management for you. <laughs> yeah, basically. Like, oh, just just get some pills and anger management. That's it. Send him on his way. Well, have you have you been watching um, Ballers on HBO with The Rock? Uh, I haven't got a chance to watch it yet. I, I heard it was good. I haven't got a chance to watch it yet. You should watch it. As much as you guys talk about the NFL, it's only 30 minutes an episode. You should watch it. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to check that out. I, 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 I've, heard, I've heard good things about it. I just, you know, I've been working, so I ain't got a chance to really sit down and watch anything. But, yeah, I'm, I'm going to check it out. So, last thing to wrap things up, looks like Rashad and Bader have a date for UFC 192. Uh, depending on what Rashad <laughs> looks like after, it's been like three years since he last one? Yep. Um, depending on what he looks like, I, I still would pick Rashad because Bader is not that good. I mean, Bader's newfound place in the division is only because John Jones isn't there. That that is it. Well, here's the here's so, the thing. Evans Evans hasn't competed since he beat Chael in November of 2013. <laughs> and then I mean, he didn't was, he tear his ACL or something? And well, here's the timeline. He was supposed to face Glover Teixeira on February 22nd, but after Teixeira withdrew, right. Rashad decided to have a second corrective procedure on his knee, and after that. He tore his ACL prior to his fight with Cormier at UFC 170. Yep. I mean, I don't know, man. Because Rashad was always Rashad was always one of those fighters that was a really good athlete. Right. And when you start getting older, and I mean, we're, we're seeing it with Machida now. Um, yep. <laughs> and strangely, not with Joel Romero, who was older and an athlete, but. Um, like you, uh, you need that um, that athleticism, and you, you start tearing knees and and getting older. I mean, I don't know. I'd be I'd be interested to see what Rashad looks like in a fight with Bader. I, I'd be interested to see it because the problem is with that fight, and people people are gonna are probably gonna give me shit about it. Both guys have a base in wrestling, so that's gonna negate that's gonna negate that immediately. And on the stand up, Rashad will kill him. These are the facts. Rashad oh, yeah, got Rashad better stand. A far better boxer. Yep, far better. So <laughs> it's like far better boxer. It's like if you're looking at this fight as quote unquote uh, contender fights, because you know Gustafson is the next title challenger. It's like if you're even if you're even makes yeah well yeah if you're even looking at that fight <laughs> remotely for for any sort of title title implications, 
you're looking at the wrong two guys. That's the fact. Yeah, because Danny Cormier uh, mollywalked both these dudes. Yep. I mean, just it, it, and whenever John Jones gets back, young if he gets back, young uh, Rashad Evans mollywalked both these guys. <laughs> young Rashad Evans could have taken Daniel Cormier. Older Rashad Evans, not so much. Young Rashad Evans, depending on where he was training, true. Like when he was a Jack, uh, he would have probably took him Dan Cormier uh, back when he was like aggressive, right? Because uh, Rashad Evans always had like lows and fights where he would do nothing. Uh, but uh, yeah, young, younger Rashad Evans, I think he could, he could really do something to Cormier. Yeah, this one, like you said. Not so much. Not so much. I mean, even and I, and I'll be honest, Gustafson and Cormier, while while it might be clear cut in some circles, I I, I honestly want to see that fight because, like anything, Gustafson may have had an off day when he fought Anthony Johnson. <laughs> Maybe not. You know what I'm saying? Like like that's a weird fight because you could call it like yeah, you know, uh, Anthony Rumble Johnson had had the better the better day. And Gustafson got caught. Okay, that's fine. But now you got both guys coming in fresh. It's it's almost a polar opposite of when he fought Jones. Because when he fought Jones, he had a guy that had wrestling and reach. In this case, he's fighting a guy that still has wrestling. Doesn't have reach, but has a lot better wrestling. <laughs> well, the thing with Anthony Johnson's fight is, and, and, and Cormier saw this firsthand too, it just Cormier reacted to it differently. He weathered the storm. Anthony Johnson touches you. Yeah, he he touches you and changes your whole outlook on life. Yep. Like you have to decide in that moment: Do I still want to do this? Yep. Because that hurt a yep. lot. Um, it's true. And, and in that moment, it doesn't look like Gustafson wanted to do that anymore. Um, no, he did not. So, I mean, that's how I look at that fight. Uh, as far as Daniel Cormier, it's going to be a different fight because, like, you know, I, I heard a lot of people say this: like Jones didn't really take Gustafson serious at all. And then in the fight, he was like, oh, shit, I'm losing. Might want to turn it up and then beat his ass. So, like, I, I, I think Daniel Cormier has all the ability to beat us. Because I, I feel like because of him being shorter, he, he's better leveraged. He could take him down, uh, beat him up on the ground. Because, I mean, we haven't really seen anybody do that in a while. But I, I could see Cormier being able to do it. I don't know. It, 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 it should be a really interesting fight, to, uh, to be honest with you. Um, but whoever wins, I mean, like, 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 like I keep saying, like, I, I don't know exactly what's going on with the John Jones case from nope. everything I oh, hear. Oh, dude, crickets on the internet. Crickets. He, <laughs> crickets. He everywhere. might be charged. He might not. He might be charged and not go to, from what, from everything I've read, if he is charged, he's not going to prison. No, no, no. Here's, okay. I'll be, I'll be honest. This is what's going to determine the future of John Jones as a mixed martial artist. And it's called a checkbook and a lot of fucking zeros period. Yeah. Somebody's getting paid. A judge is getting paid. The lady with the baby's getting paid. Somebody's getting paid period. That's it. Because again, money, the greatest superpower. (laughs) So whenever he comes back, um, and you know, if he has head on straight and everything and he, stays away from drugs. That's my biggest thing with John Jones. Like, even though, like, while probably being a bit of a cokehead, he's the best fighter on the planet, I'm interested to see what he looks like without being on drugs. I mean, <laughs> that should be scary to people. Like, I-, I would hope that he gets 
some kind of help for that, but oh, yeah. uh, that's beside the point. But like when he comes back, like these dudes, it's still his division. Oh yeah, but <laughs> like, but here's he the thing: all these guys. I'm I'm gonna be I'm gonna be completely honest here. You could you could pay off everybody: the judge, the pregnant lady, the judge's mama, the lawyers, everybody. But if you still are a fucking cokehead, it's 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 not gonna work. You know what I mean? Like like yo, he could pay off everybody and do another two days in rehab that his mama can co-sign on and write him a doctor's note. But the fact is, if you're addicted to some shit, you're not gonna be fucking successful. No, it, it's well, not gonna happen. Why? Because the long term. Yeah, and on top of that, it's it, it's the allure. Of of everybody else letting him rock. Because I'm sorry to say, everybody, as soon as he got popped and everybody talked about his drug use, everybody came out of the woodwork saying, oh, I kind of knew and I had a feeling. But, you know, I didn't say nothing. Everybody knew. Everybody knew because that's how it is. Everybody's ready to have their hand out when you're on the top of the mountain. But when your ass takes that tumble, the people that are in your corner that aren't ride or die with you, they're just going to point and say, see, I told you. That's what happened. Because you know that. that really didn't come out and say, like, we knew he had a problem was the Jackson Winklejohn cat. Like, Winklejohn was like, I was, <laughs> his response was funny. Like, I was just upset that he did something that could hurt him in training. Yeah. Like, <laughs> but but, but I'll tell you, but I'll tell you why. Yeah, go ahead. Because they're his mm-hmm. employees. I hate to say it, but... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but they're his employees. Don't get me wrong. Jackson's and Jackson Winklejohn makes a fuckload of money. But when mm. you reach that level, that elite level, they don't train you. You, they pay to be trained. They pay to be there. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Like that's how it goes. You think you think yeah, Ronda so Rousey I mean- isn't gonna? It, it wouldn't train anywhere else. But the dudes over there in Cali, they work for her. Um- they clearly work because <laughs> they are shit trainers for everybody else. Hey, but, there you uh, go. Because none of the other fighters ever win. There you go. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. All I'm saying. Like, Jackson Winkle John, they'll never admit it, but it's like, yo, y'all work for John Jones. Until you got another guy that's bringing in that kind of money, unless you put a guy out there that, that is clearing, you know, a million plus, two million plus buys on pay-per-view, y'all are employees. Y'all, don't, uh, y'all aren't going to say it outright but y'all are employees because your job is to make sure that he competes at an optimal level to continue raking in money and staying at the top so y'all could keep getting paid that's what i mean yeah i don't blame them for that that's how it works right but but i'm just saying i'm just saying like the like the coke shit like if you were if you were willing to to sacrifice the gravy train you would have been like listen i know you got a fucking problem and we're going to put you in rehab. Not a day. We're going to put you in rehab because we're invested in you. But when the motherfucker signs your checks, it's a little tough to roll up on the dude and be like, yo, you need you need help. And he's going to say, well, you need to pack your bags and get the fuck out. <laughs> yeah, I also get, yeah, like, like I, I get the vibe, not, not that John Jones is like a shit person, but I get the vibe that he would just be like, I'm not doing that. Yep. Well, well, <laughs> well like, I, I just get the vibe from like, like you. Can't, at least, at least at that moment, you couldn't tell him that. Like yep. he would have. 
I'm doing that. But he's a I shitty human. A but he is a shitty human being. <laughs> Great fighter, shitty yeah. human. Great fighter, shitty human. And that's and that goes back to what I'm saying. As a coach, as his coach, your job at that point is if if you even hear the inkling that he has a problem, you go, yo, I'm hearing some rumors about you doing some some stuff you shouldn't be doing. Not saying it's coke, but if it is, we need to do something about it. And even if the guy says no, your job as his coach, as as somebody who's responsible for his quote unquote well being, is to seek out a fucking solution. But again, y'all are employees. Y'all aren't gonna bite the hand that feeds you. Yeah. I hate to say he it, but, but too too many motherfuckers knew. That's it, dude. Too many motherfuckers knew. Too many people were like, well, you know, like when well, like when you said that he was like, oh, you know, I'm just upset that he was doing anything that could have injured him in training camp. It's like that's because you motherfuckers knew that the coke was getting to the point where the shit was gonna dam was gonna was gonna damage training camp. I mean, even I had a suspicion that he was on something, and I'm I don't even think you could call me media. And like I heard you can't call me media. I guess, but uh, <laughs> like I heard very like I, I I read things and had heard rumors yep. that he partied. Yeah, and like it for me, like like I, and and I've said this many times. I do not give a shit what you do outside the cage as long as you ain't hurting anybody. Yep, I don't and, give a fuck. And that's but the problem. The minute you it, hurt someone, oh, that's, that's it. Yeah, the minute he ran into that car, I'm like, dude, come on, man. Yep, like and. And it wasn't, and, and like we said a million times, it's not the car accident I have an issue with. Yep. It's the running from, <laughs> literally running from the car accident. It's him pumping them Reeboks like and testing them out. Like if you had a car, yeah, like, like, like I said that, that, next, that episode that we did. We had just had a car accident, checked on a chick, waited. Not, he would have still been fighting. Yep. There would be no, he would have still fought. Now 100%. He, I don't, I don't. I don't know what he's doing, but because oh. even if he had been under the influence of weed, he gets a DUI. And again, community service, community service, and money. Yeah, he might have gotten he might have got his license taken, which he shouldn't have a license anyway. But he he, <laughs> he might have had his license taken, dude. Uh, kind I mean, of just. to 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 bring it full circle and wrap it up. Conor McGregor said it best: "Motherfucker, you got money. Hire a driver." <laughs> yeah that's it that's that's the yeah. long and short of it when conor mcgregor says some shit that makes sense that's a problem hire a driver you got dough a shit yep. ton of it do the coke in the back of whatever car is driving you <laughs> at that point yep ridiculous but um with that said that'll actually bring uh the week's news to a close is there anything else you wanted to add uh no, we just uh we, we got a new black and a black black is a new black episode uh Friday night. Yeah, um, you guys so, are approaching twenty episodes. Know, uh, slowly but surely. Yeah, we are. We are. It's it's like I've said a million times, like it's it's crazy that it, it took me and Taylor like going through like multiple different variations of this and then being terrible to get to this point. So it's kinda cool to to uh get to this point so yeah we, we i think we're like three or four episodes off from 20 so yep we got one friday and um you know if if, if we, we'll post it on the uh the main page um if you if you can make the live if anybody can make the live show everybody's welcome in the chat room we, i know it's hard to make our live show because we do them 
sporadically. But, uh, you know, uh, thanks everybody that's been listening. There you have it. Um, be on the lookout for a brand new Black is a New Black on Friday. Follow Ben on Twitter at Blackout89. And uh, thank you for the assist for episode 300, bro. I appreciate it. All right, man. Peace. Peace. There you have it. That was our very own Ben. Again, you can follow him on Twitter at Blackout89. B-L-A-Q-O-U-T, the number eight, the number nine. All right. So two things. First off, before we wrap things up, I wanted to take a moment and give a shout out to um, the fight nerd in the chat room for two reasons. Number one, um, he actually has a documentary that came out recently called Girl Fight a Muay Thai story. It follows uh, two female Muay Thai fighters and gives people a glimpse into their lives uh, told from two different perspectives from each from each lady that's in the documentary. Uh, shout out to the Fight Nerd for great work on it. He's actually running an Indiegogo campaign that is almost 40% funded right now. Uh, there's still 11 days left. I think they are looking to reach roughly 5K at the moment. Um, I got to see the documentary firsthand. Uh, the Fight Nerd actually sent it to me. And um, really great work, uh, an amazing story. And everybody that's that's watched it besides me has said nothing but good things about it. Uh, really great feedback from Bloody Elbow. Um, uh, Jim Janier, the MMA journalist, MMAmania.com have all said great things about it. And they are running some pretty good goals if you contribute, uh, starting at $5.00. Uh, each perk goes all the way with the highest perk being a thousand. Um, you'll get a producer credit and be added to the IMDB page for the thousand uh, dollar queue uh, plus a digital download of the film. I'm going to make sure to include links for that in the show notes uh, for you guys to check it out again. Uh, it's about 37% funded. Uh, he has a trailer for the video for the documentary on the Indiegogo page. If you're a fan of, mixed martial arts, Muay Thai, or just enjoy really solid documentaries, definitely give it a watch. Uh, Matt, again, the fight nerd, uh, as his online handle, as I like to call him, did a tremendous job. And I wanted to take the opportunity and share this with you guys because I felt that it was really, really great work. Again, we're going to put the links for that in the show notes for this week. Uh, there's 11 days left on the Indiegogo campaign. He actually shared the link in the chat room if you guys want to check it out. But again, uh, you can start with the minimum of $5 all the way up to $1,000. Different rewards for different tiers. Uh, definitely, again, check it out if you are a fan. Last but not least, as I said, during episode 300, we are going to award the T2 Judgment Day Entertainment Earth exclusive. And um, let's go to Instagram and see... Who is randomly going to get it? Um, I think we're going to go with Wisefire from Instagram. Wisefire is the winner of our T2 Judgment Day contest. Uh, she, uh, I'll reach out to her after the show to get her address and send her the T2 Judgment Day T1000 Entertainment Earth exclusive. Again, congrats to Wisefire who entered and to all the participants. We got a couple of other giveaways on the horizon that we're going to do. We got way too much stuff here in the MTR Rageworks prize closet. So we're going to be giving away more stuff in the coming weeks. Again, the winner 
of the T1000 Instagram contest is Wisefire. If you are listening, drop me a line, either mtrhost at mytakeradio.com with your full address or at rich at rageworks.net, and we will send this in the mail. Again, props to everyone who entered um, and participated. We will have more contests coming up sooner rather than later. All right. So with that, we are going to close out this week's MMA and jump into some wrestling. Again, enjoy the bumpers for the time being because we're definitely going to start phasing them out. But until then, Booker T, what time is it? We want the gold, sucker! Hulk Hogan, we coming for you, nigga! All right, so wrestling was without a doubt amazing uh, this past week for a ton of reasons. Uh, between New Japan's awesome event where we had a title change with um, Kazuchika Okada winning the New Japan belt from AJ Styles, um, great programming from Ring of Honor, crazy stuff going on in TNA, including Ethan Carter III becoming your new TNA World Heavyweight Champion. Uh, a lot of departures on the TNA roster side of things. We had Beast from the East on July 4th. We had Raw on Monday. We had NXT, Tough Enough. It's It's been a crazy, crazy week. We're going to talk about most of that stuff. I haven't been watching Tough Enough live, but our very own Quark is definitely working on a uh, buried column for Tough Enough. But I have been able to watch Beast from the East, which I did watch on the 4th of July. And, um, of course, Raw this past week, I DVR'd Impact, which I need to watch, and um, SmackDown, of course, uh, tomorrow night. But in any case, it's, it's a great time to be a wrestling fan. A lot of really, really great stuff going on. NXT has been killing it. Uh, Beast from the East, without a doubt, really reinforced that, not only because of the incredible performance from Balor and Kevin Owens, but just from the sheer crop of talent that is coming out of NXT and crushing it every week. We're talking about guys like Adrian Neville. Um, you know, our own WWE champion, Seth Rollins, was an NXT product. Uh, Dean Ambrose, Roman Reigns, whether you love him or hate him. Cesaro, who, even though he is a Ring of Honor product, honed his chops in NXT and showed everyone, even when he was down there, the level of competitor that he was going to be on the main roster. Like I've said before, NXT is slowly solidifying themselves as the premier independent entity from WWE. I mean, we can always talk about TNA and Ring of Honor, but there are instances where NXT is doing a better product than Raw and SmackDown combined. On top of the fact that this has been one of the few times that we've had such a wealth of professional wrestling across multiple outlets, and each one is delivering something solid for everyone. And I'm talking about we got Lucha Underground killing it on the El Rey Network. We got Ring of Honor killing it on Destination America, even though they're doing the lead-in for TNA Impact, which TNA Impact, don't get me wrong, is pretty much on life support at this point. But there have been some stellar matches from some of the participants on their very limited roster. Not to mention, we still got Jeff Jarrett's GFW on the come-up. We got Chikara. We got all the independents that are still out there killing it. Uh, you know, independent promotions, 
schools like House of Glory putting on amazing shows. Our very own, our friend Amazing Red is out there crushing it. Um, as a matter of fact, he actually has an event, I believe, this Friday where he will be wrestling NXT's Rhino, aka, uh, AKA ECW's Rhino, um, on a show. Plus, they got their highly, highly publicized match between Amazing Red and Rey Mysterio, of course, 619 versus 718. Again, great time to be a wrestling fan. A lot of amazing stuff. And with that said, let's jump into WWE's Beast from the East, which aired at 5 o'clock in the morning, Eastern Standard Time, on the WWE Network. 5.30 to be exact. Um, A couple of things. Before I get into the matches and share my thoughts on the card, the WWE Network was made for moments like this. 5.30 in the morning, you can watch it live, you can watch it later on, but at the end of the day, you're still going to watch it. You're going to make people interested in it because it's something that's, that's not accessible to the mainstream audience. If you didn't have the network, unless you found a torrent or an illegal stream, you weren't getting access to this. And this is one of the things that the network is starting to show is setting them apart from everyone else. Yeah, you have all the original programming swerved and all the and all the other shows, but on top of that, you have an incredible catalog of old school wrestling plus NXT. It's it's really starting to finally pay off in terms of value for not only old school wrestling fans like myself, but also new school fans that are that are going to want to learn about some of the guys that they didn't know about on the come up. And this isn't talking about, you know, guys like Bruno Sammartino or Hogan or Savage or even Jake the Snake Roberts. But I'm talking about kids who are growing up in an era where John Cena is their flag bearer and they never got to see a Stone Cold Steve Austin or they never got to see a Rock or Edge and Christian in their prime or the Hardy Boys and Team 3D killing each other in the TLC match. You know, they'll never see those moments. And I think that that's one of the things that the network has done very, very well for every bit of old school nitro and ECW programming. You're also making sure that stars that aren't that old school are still being showcased. And I say this because for, for those of us that are, you know, mid thirties, uh, upper thirties, mid forties, depending on who you are, you guys were able to be part of not only the original 80s WWE era, but that middle ground plus the birth of the Attitude Era plus the Monday Night Wars plus the modern era of professional wrestling, or as some people call it, the reality era. We've got to see five different eras of professional wrestling, and we've seen how it's had its highs and its lows. But for those that are younger, and I'm talking about the the, the under-20 demographic, the under 18, the under 15 demographic who have only seen what WWE's put out there. The network has become a valuable, valuable resource. Now, I can't stress enough, and I've told you guys this on the regular. There's more to wrestling than just WWE. Like I said, tons of great promotions out there. Lucha Underground is a great example. Nobody had any fucking clue what Robert Rodriguez was bringing to the table with Lucha Underground. What ended up coming out of that was amazing talent, engaging storylines, and just some of the most diverse wrestlers that we've seen on a roster in quite some time. 
We're talking about guys like Willie Mack sharing the ring with guys like Cage and guys like Drago. Uh, you know, Alberto Del Rio mixing it up with a guy, you know, who in WWE was considered the future of the business and John Morrison, now known as Johnny Mundo. You got guys like Prince Puma who also wrestle in other promotions as Ricochet are crushing it left and right, just delivering amazing, amazing wrestling. And this is, this is an amazing time. And because of that, something like Beast from the East 10 years ago, nobody would have even known the results of it because it wouldn't have gotten the exposure that the network affords it. So with that said, let's talk about some of the matches that we got to see. First up, Jericho and Neville. couple of things from that match that I found to be very, very well done. Number one, Chris Jericho returning to Japan his old stomping grounds where he performed as Lionheart Chris Jericho. We got to see not only a ton of old school Chris Jericho offense, but Adrian Neville really showed people that he belongs at this upper level. Not only did he make Chris Jericho look great in this match, but we even got to see an old school lion tamer from Chris Jericho to get the victory. Now, a lot of people were upset because... Neville came out the loser in this match. But you also have to remember, you're catering to an audience where there's a lot of nostalgia and a lot of history in Japanese wrestling or puresu, depending on, on, how, on how you view that, uh, that genre of wrestling. And the fact is that when you look at puro or, or wrestling, the number one name that comes out in, in some of the old school matches is... Chris Jericho or Lionheart Chris Jericho, him, uh, you know, the Pegasus Kid, which was, of course, Chris Benoit, Tiger Mask, uh, Black Tiger, which was Eddie Guerrero, uh, Dean Malenko. You go through the list of some of these guys, a who's who of talent. And when you talk about it in Japanese wrestling, you have to realize that these guys, their their legacies, you know, in the East are completely different than how they're viewed here. Yeah, people love Y2J Chris Jericho, but Lionheart Chris Jericho was the guy. Chris Jericho was recognized because of a match he had with Ultimo Dragon that got him on everyone's radar. And this was in Japan. Everybody was like, holy shit, this, this Canadian kid can go. And before you know it, Chris Jericho was lighting it up in WCW, lighting it up in WWE. So... Before you automatically say that Adrian Neville was buried, you need to respect the history of the guy that he's in the ring with. Sure, Adrian Neville could have got the pinfall and the Japanese crowd might have been happy, but when you saw the pop that Chris Jericho got when he came out, as a fan, you understood that this is a guy who's, who's honed his skills in Japan and who is a household name in Japan. You got to respect that. And again, Sometimes we talk about wins and losses and how they hurt people. Losing to Chris Jericho or putting Chris Jericho over did not hurt anyone in this instance. It did not hurt anyone. On the contrary, Neville's stock, in my opinion, went up higher because you went out there with a veteran and you delivered an amazing opener. Because it was. It was tremendous. Great offense. Solid wrestling. It was, it was, it was bananas. It really was bananas and like i said for everybody that thinks that neville was quote-unquote buried you need to get your heads out of your asses 
and realize that there's more to wrestling than, you know, one guy getting buried or the other guy getting buried. And again, I joke about it, and it's one of our shows here at, at MTR and Rageworks, but the fact is that the term buried gets thrown around way too often with people not understanding what it truly means for a superstar to be buried. Chris Jericho getting the up the victory in that match was not burying Neville in the least. It really wasn't. It's one fucking loss. People automatically jumped on Twitter and oh fucking Chris Jericho isn't on TV for X amount of time months and automatically goes out there and wins. Chris Jericho's not he wasn't on Raw. He wasn't on SmackDown. He's not challenging for the belt next week. Take your heads out of your asses and respect the and respect you know, the guy's pedigree, who he is in this business. You know, that's, that's, that, that, those are the, those are the facts, period. Anyway, switch gears. Of course, we had a Divas triple threat match with Nikki Bella, Paige, and Tamina. A couple of things came out of this match that really just, it, they, they got on my radar, but they, they weren't super terrible considering the parties involved. First of all, Tamina went out there and it was pretty much an entirely dead crowd, which was crazy because the usually Japanese crowds being silent are a show of respect. But there wasn't even a reaction when she got in the ring. Nikki Bella didn't even have a reaction either. I think also because Japanese wrestling in Japan, I mean, uh, women's wrestling in Japan is something that is usually handled not in a in a circus like atmosphere, but in a more realistic strong style atmosphere. And I think that one of the things in this match that got my attention was the fact that all three women were trying to work a style close to Japanese strong style. And while Nikki Bella is kind of embraced that strong style when she performs here in the States, I just feel that the three divas did not mesh well enough to give us a match that was solid. Had you done Paige and Nikki Bella, or maybe Nikki Bella and Tamina, you would have had a, a, a better reaction. But I think there was too much going on at the same time, and the Japanese just weren't—they weren't feeling any of the performance. I mean, Paige Paige has performed internationally for quite some time. I mean, you know, she 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 you know worked the UK circuit, wrestled in a tag team with her mom, beat her mom for the belt. Like, there's a lot more history there, and you can see it because the crowd had a lot of Paige signs. You know, there were some there were some Japanese fans that that recognized Nikki Bella and they were kind of cheering her. But you could see that there wasn't the connection wasn't there. Now, if you would have said Sasha Banks, um, you know, Charlotte and Paige had a triple threat match, they would have probably meshed a little better just because NXT is starting to be seen globally. Uh, they work cohesively together. I feel that this match, they were trying to force the Japanese strong style from all three women in that match, and it really just didn't mesh well together, It was, which was sad because it's like, all right, you know, I understand what they're trying to do, but it just, they, they, there, was no, there was no cohesiveness. They did not mix as well as they should have. Again, definitely unfortunate for all participants in the match. Now, of course, the big match the beast from the East himself, Brock Lesnar, doing a match with Kofi Kingston. Before I address this match, I, people need to understand that Brock Lesnar was 
allegedly supposed to be in Japan for something else. And WWE asked, you know, if he would if he would work the show, which he said yes. So you had to put him in there with somebody that would not only make him look good, but that would allow him to look as dominating as he's looked everywhere else. And yeah, you could put him in there with John Cena or you could have put him in there with Heath Slater or any of these other guys. But Kofi Kingston, for as much as people dislike him, Kofi Kingston is a solid worker who is set, who is um, his success is, is, is stymied by two, by two things. Kofi Kingston isn't over because he sucks on the mic. He does. And it's terrible to say, but Kofi Kingston isn't over because he's black. He's the wrong color. These are the facts. And I've said it before and I'll say it again. African-American performers are not in, in prominent positions because the company, as much as people don't like to acknowledge that, it is fact. Kofi Kingston is the wrong color and he sucks on the mic. Period. That's it. Big E, for as big as he is and as mobile as he is and as solid as a wrestler as he is, wrong shade. I hate to say it, but it's true. But aside from that, I have to say that Kofi, that Kofi Kingston is a tremendous worker. Tremendous. Not only did he go out there and, and make a match with Brock Lesnar look good, but he also made it look good in a sense that it wasn't a complete squash. Yeah, there were there were, you know, the signature Brock Lesnar suplexes and and the usual uh Brock Lesnar offense, but the fact remains that that you needed a guy like Kofi Kingston that could make Brock Lesnar look good but also maintain that mystique and that aura of being the quote-unquote beast. And I I feel that Kofi delivered with that and allowing the New Day to get involved as well and Brock Lesnar to dispatch them easily kind of gave Brock a, a fair amount of momentum heading into Monday. And again, it's in Japan. Wins and losses aren't killing anybody. But what good would it have been for Brock Lesnar to squash somebody else? Losing, beating Kofi Kingston didn't hurt Kofi Kingston either, only because everybody knew that that match had a purpose. And the purpose was to make Brock Lesnar look good. Period. A lot of people are like, yeah, but you, you know, you, you kind of threw Kofi to the wolves. No, you didn't. There wasn't any throwing to the wolves in that scenario. And the reason was because everybody knew their place. Kofi knew he had to make Brock look good. Brock knew he had to go out there and kind of sell for Kofi a bit. And the New Day as a unit knew that, hey, we got to go out there and let the beast look as good as he can because people are here to see him. That's it. For as much as people want to see all their superstars get over and all their superstars get the victories and get the popularity. You got to understand that sometimes guys got to take an L and again, it wasn't hurting anyone. Brock needed to look dominant and everybody had to be involved. Now, the only thing that bothers me is what I'm going to talk about next, which is Finn Balor and Kevin Owens. The fact that Kevin Owens and Finn Balor's NXT heavyweight championship match was the co-main event and not the main event of the evening is something that bothered me because two things should have happened. Brock Lesnar and Kofi Kingston should have been the co-main event and Balor and Owens should have been the main event for two reasons. A, 
The event is called the Beast from the East. You're putting the guy in the middle of the program to break everything up instead of making him the co-main event. The guy's name is the guy's on the fucking poster. He should either be the main event, which in this case isn't necessary, or at minimum, the co-main event. Something that bugged me personally and needed to be acknowledged. Anyway, so everybody knows Kevin Owens, Finn Balor, we're going to square off for the NXT title. I said it when I watched NXT, the tag team match, and Balor was was put over in that match. I said, Finn Balor's going to win the belt because that'll free up Kevin Owens from his NXT obligations, allow him to go onto the main roster, beat Cena for the U.S. title, and open up Balor to probably either feud with Atami or feud with Samoa Joe. And the match itself was tremendous. There were There was great storytelling, incredible displays of athleticism, great heel tactics from Kevin Owens, and the right guy won in this instance for a couple of reasons. Number one, Finn Balor was the guy that was most recognized in the match. The guy performed as Prince Devitt in New Japan Pro Wrestling, was leader of the Bullet Club, is a guy who had an incredible fan base and has an incredible history in Japan. So you knew that you had to leverage all of that to give fans the feel-good moment of the night. Kevin Owens, on the other hand, lived up to everything that he needed to live up to because he went in to play the villain. And he succeeded in spades, from him throwing the flowers that were presented into the crowd, from him saying that he refused to start the match until all the streams were swept out of the ring. There were, there were a lot of things that were really, really, again, the little things, the little subtleties that made that match work. Everything from the pomp and circumstance of the Japanese acknowledging that this title and this, and this match were of great importance to, like I said, Kevin Owens, you know, doing a headlock and, you know, just talking shit to the crowd, saying that he hated being there. I can't wait to leave your stupid country. Again, everybody played their part to a T. Uh, Finn Balor coming out with the amazing fucking paint job was tremendous. As a fan, there I genuinely marked out because I was like, wow, that's really badass. Plus, I like the Oni mask, you know, the demon mask, the Japanese mask. Big fan of that stuff. And um, I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed that match. I felt that what what was needed and what it accomplished were front and center. You know, Balor getting the win, Owens moving on to greener pastures, so to speak. Again, just solid across the board. I was, I was again, thoroughly, thoroughly impressed. Now, on the flip side, and, and this is the thing that got me, was that we went from that to John Cena and Dolph Ziggler taking on Kane and King Barrett. Again, solid storytelling, a pretty decent match to send everybody home happy. But I just felt that the placement of that match was wrong. Period. That's that's how I'm seeing it. Um, you know, I think overall the event succeeded in delivering the goods that it needed to to get everybody over, and it really reinforced why the network was necessary. Simple as that. Everything was done. Everything was done right in that match, you know? And then, 
Ah, Blackstone, the communique that I just got about Kane, I can't even say. <laughs> I can't even say it. I can't. But um, overall, the match was good. I just felt that the placement was unnecessary. The I understand you wanted to get Cena out there and you wanted to get Dolph Ziggler out there because people are able, um, you know, people people were able to see those guys, but alas their placement should have been middle of the card to close out with Balor and Owens is the right thing to do. The title change would have sent everybody home happy. It would have been a great way to close things out, but what can you do? You take, you take what you can get, but I'll say this. Um, uh, Quark was, uh, I was informed that Quark is on the line, which is good. Cause he can help me get into raw a little bit. Captain Quark. Welcome to MTR 300. Hailing from the land of the buried shovel, I am making my 300th debut or whatever. Happy 300th episode. Thank you, sir. Thank you. So, I'm sure. I'm sure. I saw your your uh, character driven commentary uh, about beasts from the east in the chat, and I also saw your commentary with Slick during the event itself. Um, do you agree with my assessment that you should have closed that out with Owens and Balor instead of going with the with the formulaic tag team match. I'm sure that Tank and Dipper and Cena and Bear had a fantastic match. Why do you I sound? You need after after um, Balor and Owens. Yeah. I, I was like, all right, kind of a day. You need to adjust that mic because it sounds like you're calling me from a cave in Iraq. Oh, this is not good. Let's see. There you go. That's a little better. Hello? Anyway, hello, hello. Yeah, there you go. Better. Are we good? Yes, sir. There we go. Perfect. Yeah, I mean, all right. Pretty well. Yeah, I, I didn't even watch the. I didn't even watch the main event, quote unquote. I had no idea. I mean, it was on, but I, we all knew what we came to see, which was Kofi Kingston getting buried, and then watch Ballard. That's a, that's exactly it. I said to myself, you know, and, and and people people on Twitter were like, "Oh man, you know, there goes there goes Kofi doing the job." And and when I read it, I was just I was just dumbfounded. I'm like, yo, you motherfuckers don't get how it works. <laughs> Clearly, I, you, you were you said it perfectly. I mean, Kofi Kingston, he came in honestly. He got more offense than I even thought he could. He had a too. Yeah, he he performed he performed admirably in that match. Brock was Brock had to look like the freak show, and people don't understand. Brock Lesnar is a household name in Japan. He was a former IWGP heavyweight champion, which was acknowledged by the commentary team, which was crazy. And if we're going to go that route, we could say Johnny Ace is a household name, but we're not going to go there. But Johnny Ace was a household name. You send that guy to Japan, there'll probably exactly. be a pop. There'll be a pop for that dude. Exactly. <laughs> you know, if, he, if he came out as Brock's manager, they'd burn the building down. They probably would, but he would... I, I gotta, I gotta Rock say, Kobe with an ace crusher. Oh, people would have lost their minds. The fact is, when you look at when you look at some of the guys that are popular in Japan, and people are like that, like I was saying earlier, when everybody was upset that Neville put over Chris Jericho, I I said you do realize that Japan made Chris Jericho. <laughs> I mean, I'll be honest, I was a little surprised. I mean, no bias, you know. You know me, I love Chris Jericho, but I wasn't exactly <laughs> mad about it. I mean. The way I look at it, it's almost like Rocky going against Apollo. Adrian Neville went the distance. 
you know? Yeah, and, and, and it didn't hurt him. You know what I mean? Like, both guys had great offense. Neville, of course, got his signature spots in. Everybody was happy. And Jericho got a nice got a nice little homecoming. I mean, if, if Chris Jericho said after that match, yo, I'm retiring, yo, it wouldn't have hurt nobody. I agree. Sim- I would have liked to see that just so we get no more Chris Jericho forever. Yeah, unfortunately, that's not going to happen. Jericho is a necessary evil, unfortunately. Man. Look at that motherfucker die in the ring. No offense, Chris Jericho. No offense. <laughs> so, with that said, um, Beast from the East validated why you needed the WWE Network and actually was a great segue into Raw. Um, Brock Lesnar just coming out and playing typical Paul Bunyan lumberjack. Um, a couple of things that bothered me. Big show in any match. The fact that he's that he's out there having a match with Ryback for the eighty fifth thousandth time, and the fact that those guys are in a triple threat match at the pay per view is just that match is helping no one, no one at all. Absolutely. Hey, I, I think the sad thing is no, not really the sad thing, but this feud would be dead in the water without the Miz. The Miz adds every football. The little ounce of life that this feud has is coming from Mike and his aunt. Which is crazy because the Miz wasn't hasn't even been on TV to the point where he's even relevant. L- think about it. The Miz <laughs> came he back like reindeer in some some Christmas movie. That's where he was. Now he's back to TDIC camps. That's exactly it. The guy the guy was barely on TV. Comes back, jumps into this IC title feud, and again, no disrespect to Ryback because Ryback is definitely developing as a wrestler and as a face, but. And, and you know this because we've talked about this in numerous shows. The big show is not in the, in, in the stage to put anybody over nowadays. Beating the big show is, is, the equi- is, the, is the equivalent of being the first guy to get to the door when, somebody, when it's closing. Doesn't matter. Whoever gets there first is going to open the door anyway. That's the big show. He's, he's not even a gatekeeper at this point. He's just a nut, like, yeah, you put it. We, we had buried him for years. <laughs> years we've buried the big show. And and honestly, it's not even the point where he's boring. And, and I, I don't even really feel like burying him because we've done it so often. But to the point where, I mean, we had how many guys in the title? Noah, Barrett, Ziggler, fuck, R-Truth, Stardust, and all these people. And we had the big show, what, because he's big? I mean, we've seen Ryback fight big dudes, big people. It doesn't work. Mark Henry years ago, it didn't work. So I don't understand why the WWE I, it feels like they have to push a big guy to fight another big guy, especially the big show. If you're going to give a big guy, hell, I, I take Rusev over big show. So I take any other big guy over over someone we've seen a thousand times. I'll be honest. I I think if if you want the most credible big quote unquote big guy on that roster that can still deliver solid matches is Luke Harper. Period. Oh my God! Absolutely. Luke Harper's the best big dude on that roster right now. He's one of the best dudes in there. Period. You know, and 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 because his, his the other guy Eric because Rowan got hurt, he's like in mid card hell. <laughs> yeah. He tore the house down in the house show we saw around here, so that's something. And, and he challenged for the IC title. He was in the that's ladder what I'm match. About. You got you. you know, 
you know, all these guys, you know, all these dudes, you know, who who wanted the belt and now what? Daniel Bryan wins it and then they were still trying to go for it. It's almost that Bryan hurt and then they're staying with it. And right at that time, and now like, eh, I'm, I'm going to wear, I'm going to become king of the ring and I'm going to feud with some guy who's also king and I'm going to do whatever. You know, all these guys decided to go their own separate way. But you took all the legitimacy trying to build up with the belt around Mania and now it's broke. Well, here's the, the thing. Well, this was something I mentioned a couple of weeks back. I said winning King of the Ring is fucking the equivalent of winning Publishers Clearinghouse. It doesn't mean shit. Like, oh, look, you got a crown and a cape. Congrats. You get to change your name and you get to wear a crown and a cape to the ring like an asshole. But there's nothing else that came out of that. Becoming King of the Ring doesn't get you a title shot. Like, at least if you would have said, yo, the king is allowed to challenge for one belt of his choice within the, within the next 30 days, it would have done something, but it's like calling Wade Barrett, King Barrett means nothing. <laughs> well, calling King Barrett is just a nice way to take the bad news off. And he, he's becoming too popular. He's becoming too popular. Got to make him bad. Guy. But think about it. Think about just King of the ring in general. Like back then when we were younger, oh, King of the Ring, it was great. You'd be king, whatever. Not a big deal. But it just felt so meaningless that you did all that, gave us so many great matches, and you're basically competing to have a new alias. It should have just been yeah. alias of the ring. <laughs> like, like, hey, this is your prize. You get to change your name. I almost feel like King Dennis come out every week, and then when he sees our truth and anyone tries to challenge him, he's just like, Dude, I'm the fucking king. I don't challenge him. And he just leaves and he waits for his title shot. That, and he just takes what he wants. He's the king. That would work better than what than what we've received as of late. Which um, you know, and and it's and it's messed up because again, you're you're taking some of these guys that have all this momentum and you're chopping them off at the knees. Like Wade Barrett, it's like, yo, the guy had all this momentum, you know, delivering bad news, you know, cutting all these promos. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's supposed to be like, like Blackstone just said, it's a stepping stone to a main event situation. Like if you win King of the Ring, you should be fighting for a title sooner rather than later. Instead of feuding with our truth, who's basically dressed like a homeless guy on 42nd street. That's what, that's the sad thing about Wade Barrett, man. He's always been at that next step to being at the main event yep. for five years, but he's never gotten there. It, it's. It's kind of sad, actually. Dude is always the bridesmaid and never the bride. <laughs> well, he's the king. But <laughs> means Jack. Well, you know, we also got to see another thrilling contest between Brie Bella and Paige. Obviously, everybody's saying that this is the payoff for this is that Paige's backup is going to be NXT Divas, Charlotte, and Sasha Banks. Now, again, take that as a rumor, but it's like, do we need to endure? five more weeks of this or whatever it is till SummerSlam for that payoff. Cause I want to blow my fucking brains out every week with those matches. Cause they are shit. I, I, I yeah, <laughs> I got nothing else. I have nothing new to say for that. That's, that's when I flipped the channel. Or yes, next time. Well, the court household. Well, you know what the other, what the, the other, the other channel flipper, 
the um the thrilling contest between Roman Reigns and Sheamus because you know that's a winner every week. <laughs> okay, first off, first off, Roman Reigns is awesome. Two Sheamus is tight now. I find the bank sucks ass, but the Randy Orton Sheamus dude has gold all, all over it. So it's kind of going like an arcade. What were they thinking? No, here's here's the thing. That'll and this is the thing with with that. It's um Roman Reigns is entertaining because he is the essential he he is the essential WWE product that they want you to cheer for. And if you've noticed, keeping Roman Reigns away from the main event has made him just as popular as he was before they pretty much shoved him down everyone's throat. But let's be realistic. Roman Reigns should be nowhere near the main event for another year or two. Period. Year or two? I, I disagree with that. Dude, the motherfucker doesn't even have the five moves of doom. He has three. <laughs> I, but the thing <laughs> is, though, like, I, I don't know what happened. Clearly, I listened to the Bears, so available now. But I feel as if Roman Reigns versus Mania, he's just, like, stepped it up. Like, his matches are actually entertaining. No, no, well, no. I don't know. Like, something about him, like, I, I feel as if like it's game. I really think we can see a good step. Here's here's the thing: Roman Reigns post WrestleMania has been better in the ring. I do, you have no disagreement from me. But the fact is that Roman Reigns needs to get over on his own merits. Meaning, you got to keep going out there and having good matches. You need to keep getting the crowd behind you, so that if and when that title opportunity arises the crowd will not automatically want you to be thrown into a fucking wood chipper before you even challenge for the belt. You got to remember, the problem with a, with a guy like Roman Reigns isn't the fact that he's tailor-made to be champion. It's the fact that they're forcing him to be champion when he is not fucking ready. Dude, his promo work is shit. Believe that. <laughs> Garbage. And Sheamus, forget it. Sheamus, Sheamus matches are about as enjoyable as watching paint dry. Sheamus will not cash in that money in the bank. Do everything you're saying. I'll tell you this: if Sheamus cashes I in, I believe he will. He will not be the one to cash that in. I, I I tell you this much: if Sheamus cashed it in on Brock Lesnar, just to have Brock Lesnar kill him dead, I'd be okay with that. Because you know they'd beat the holy shit out of each other. You know that. That's fact. Those guys will kill each other. Yeah. Beat the white off each other. Pretty much. Well, Bro- it's crazy that Brock Lesnar is, is, a, is a darker shade than Sheamus. <laughs> Somehow. Darker and, and just like, it's like you pump him up with like compressed air. Pretty like, much. Like compressed dark dance. Dark well, energy. Yeah, pretty much. And the thing that gets me is Sheamus will probably be the guy, like you said, that'll cash it and not win. But WWE booking logic will dictate that he'll cash in and win because, you know, why do something? Why do something different? <laughs> I, I just I just don't see him. I don't think he either. He's going to cash in and fail or someone else is going to get it. It's just not his 
money in the bank to cash in. It's, just, it's not, it doesn't make sense. And I know, of course, WWE is all about, they don't make sense half the time. But this is one case where I think this is, this is for once, the long game. And I think someone else, more deserving, is going to get the ticket from her. I, I hope I hope you're right, man, because honestly, Sheamus cashing it in and Sheamus being champion just doesn't work. I don't know why he just can't connect. He can't connect with people as a hero or as a face. Just doesn't work. I mean, it's one of those things where, like, okay, so he took out, he pretty much took out Daniel Bryan, if you look at it from a kayfabe point of view. Right. But they didn't even run with it. Nope. You know, this is, this is a guy, he was, he was picking on the little guy, which I, me and John Blade are all behind him, you know. This big guy taking out the little guy, takes out Daniel Bryan, and then you hear nothing from it. Right. And I don't get it. Like, what, he's not he's not money in the bank. Why isn't he still targeting the little guy? Why the fuck is he targeting Roman Reigns two weeks in a row, and now he's having a feud with Orton? He should still be feuding with, with the Neville. He, hell, how is he with Kalisto? I don't care. No, it's it's. But, but now he's just now he's just he's somehow blander than he was as a face. But now he has a briefcase. But he but compared to the last Money in the Bank holder, it, it just shows how much weaker he is. The last yeah. Money in the Bank out was Seth Rollins, and now you got Sheamus carrying the carrying the briefcase. But you know who has I that same? Yeah. Well, you know who has that same problem, Rusev. Because think about it, Rusev is a guy. That was top of the food chain with Lana. You take Lana away, you stick him with Prissy Hen, with, you know, with, with, with the chicken, and it's just like, why do you even need to do that at this point? So, see, I feel as if Rusev was going to go by himself. If he was going to leave Lana, he's just go by himself, right? Like you're, you don't a, need a female. I feel as if, I, I feel as if it's more one of those things where Rusev needs a woman so Lana can get physical, not. And Rusev can prosper, you know? Yep. Nobody's benefiting from this except Lana because at the end of the day, Ziggler's going to stay over. Rusev's going to stay being a, a big-ass bad guy. And Lana, Lana's the one that's going to reap the spoils of this feud, which is terrible because it's like if you wanted to do that, then Lana should have just started wrestling. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, just, it's, just, it's just pointless. And then, you know, you get you get fucking diaper boy Bo Dallas out there after that segment. So you go from one shitty segment to another shitty segment with him and with him and Ambrose. And I'm just like, I, I never understood the mystique of Bo Dallas and why people felt that he was so I don't know, like if he was he was better than than he should have been play, made out to be because I watch him wrestle and I'm like, yo, he's he's pretty paint by numbers. Like, if anything, they should have taken him and put him in the new day so that he could be to the new day what Owen Hart was with the nation. Well, they, they did tease it on SmackDown. It was really funny. Yep, but so why don't why not pull that, the trigger? You know, uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a one week thing, and I think it would have been great. You know, yep. have Bo Dallas coming out talking shit with Xavier Woods, two guys, two mouths, spending their mouth. But they, they sadly they didn't. You know, no, it was it was it was terrible. I mean. The uh, overall Raw post uh, Beast in the East had its its fair share of moments. I mean, the high point for me was Brock Lesnar pretty much destroying the caddy and pretty and and almost killing uh, a, a guy in the stands and almost killing Joey Mercury. 
Because Joey Mercury getting suplexed into that windshield, I'm like, yo, how he didn't break that guy's neck is insane. I was I was still hoping that that Brock Lesnar would just take the two axes and just decapitate one of them <laughs> for the kids. For the for the kids, you know, you know what was funny? It's like there's a dozen there's a dozen things you can beat somebody with, but you're gonna take the handles of an axe. Like there's just randomly handles of axes laying around backstage. This will this will do. This will clearly be a good weapon for tonight. This is a good. This must be a good idea. Like I always look at that and I say, you know, you got tire irons, wrenches, um, hammers, you know, different things. But but axe handles. There was just randomly three axe handles laying around backstage. <laughs> And this is what I talk about about when I say, you know, the little things. It's like you could pick up a tire iron, a wrench, a hammer, um, I don't know, a, a, a leveler. There, there's a dozen things that are laying around in an arena that you could beat a guy with. But all of a sudden, there are three super clean axe handles laying around. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like you're, you're joking, right? I know Brock Lesnar's weaponry is like what Stone Cold like has vehicles. Like every week, Stone Cold came with a new vehicle. I know he, Brock is supposed to be a new like destruction to destroy the WWE. Like someone like a motor, like a thick jackhammer, and just like destroy like another J and J car. Afterwards, that's that's like a gallon gun. You have to. Okay, you got to tweak new weapon from Brock. You got you got to adjust where the hell you're sitting. You started sounding like you were underwater once again. Well, I am underwater. There I'm you in go. the shower right now. Better. That's better. Well, well, stay wherever the hell you are because that works. But in all in all seriousness, you know, Brock Lesnar channeling his inner Paul Bunyan and, and 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 destroying the car was great. But I mean, the problem is that for a guy like Brock Lesnar, it seemed so out of character when you outweigh every one of those guys by like a hundred pounds. I mean, it was cool to see the car get destroyed and him rip the door off and stuff, but when you're Big ass Brock Lesnar, why are you going to go out there and destroy the car when you can destroy all three of those guys yourself? No Kane. He just threw the car on top of them. <laughs> <laughs> he he probably could have, but I'm serious. Think about it. You're 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 backstage. You're being called out by three guys that you're definitely bigger than, and they have shitty little axe handles. Because let's be realistic. And you're instead just going to opt to destroy the car, which is fine, but yet you still beat them up anyway. I said it. I said it two weeks ago. I said when I saw them get the car, I said this car is getting destroyed tonight. The the fact that it lasted an extra week was just an added bonus, but everybody knew that shit was getting destroyed. Well, yeah, Brock has to. He has to mentally destroy the authority. He's not just trying to beat him for one night. He's trying to demoralize him. That's what he did. Yeah, but but let's let's again, you had three guys with axe handles who you clearly outweigh and are bigger than. I mean, yeah, the, again, destroying the car served its purpose. It just seemed so out of character for a guy who's such a badass. You know, like like destroying a car, that's a stone cold thing. You get what I'm saying? Like, like you brought up Stone Cold. Like, that works for his character. Dean Ambrose destroying someone's car. That's great. 
Brock Lesnar, you're you're a massive human being. Like you're past that point. Like if he would have beat if he would have caught each one of those guys backstage and fucked them up and then just, you know, come out and fight Rollins for a few minutes, it would have looked more in line with how he is than destroying the car. You get I again, the visual of the car getting destroyed was great for for the crowd and just to get people to go, "Oh shit." But outside of that oh shit moment, it really wasn't something that fits his persona. Listen, would you rather have broken ribs or broken dreams? Okay? <laughs> One of those I can still hold on to at the end of the day. And put that shit on a t-shirt, okay? <laughs> Just saying. If I'm, if I'm Jamie Noble and I'm sitting in the hospital, man, I, you, can, you, can, you can patch me up. I could be a full body cast. At least I'm riding my body at the end of the day. It's all good. You can't even go home in that shit. Better get a taxi. Not well. Here's the thing. I liked. I liked what they did having him quote unquote break Jamie Noble's arm because I think that's a good way to allow him to be off television so he can heal up. Because I'm like, yo, this guy's out there with broken ribs, legitimately broken ones. It's like, yo, he is not gonna get better anytime soon if he keeps fucking moving everywhere. Did he also get suplex into the car, or was that that was uh, Mercury? Mercury. Mercury ate that suplex. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> If they put Noble through, I thought Noble was going through the fucking glass. Because I was like, oh my God, they just got, please thank God, for breaking, that was the next week they're going to break his other arm. And Brock just loves to break arms. Well, I mean, like I said, they served, it served its purpose to, to, in terms of angle advancement. I just felt for a guy like Brock Lesnar, it didn't fit the character that they've created for him, you know? I guess. So what I'm saying, him destroying the car was almost too smart of the beat. Yeah, that's 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 one way to look at it. I just felt, yeah, it, it's it's too smart of a thing, and it's just not like this guy thrives on violence. Again, him going out there and beating up these guys, you know, he you with no cane, mind you. I mean, yeah, he probably would have gotten slightly beat up, but you know, he would have whooped their ass. You know, he would have got the he would have got the upper hand and fucked everybody up. Like that's that's how it works. No cane. True. True. The um the Lucha Dragons and New Day match was pretty good. Um, obviously the New Day is going to continue to ride that wave of momentum into the pay per view. I'm just I'm just bummed out because the Lucha Dragons are incredibly over and they're not maximizing that at all. It, it, right now, we're it's a the prime time players New Day season. It yeah. it, it is New Day, New Day shit. New Day got the hype. Titus O'Neil is talking show and commentary. Yep. You know, the two of them are, are, are getting hotter and hotter. So teams, right now, teams, like, hey, at least the Lucha Dragons are on television. You can't even say that about the Ascension and the Mega Powers. Yeah, well, the Ascension, I'm going to be honest, they they came up to the main roster, and it almost feels like they regressed to, pre, to pre-jobber status. I'm like, yo, what happened? I always thought they were lame. That's just me. Even in NXT when they were champs, I was like, get these dudes off my TV. You know what's funny? A lot of people a lot of people have said that. I mean, uh, Blackstone at one time, I remember we he saw them. And he's like, what the fuck with these fake-ass road warriors? They fucking suck. Like, people hate it's them. Horrible. It's either you love those guys or you hate those guys. But I'll be honest. I would have traded the Ascension for for not breaking up Harper and Rowan. What do you mean? Like, 
if I had a choice between, oh, let's call up the Ascension towards the tag team ranks or not or break up, you know, Harper and Rowan, I would have left the Ascension in NXT and not broken up Harper and Rowan because those guys were killing oh, you mean it. A long, you, mean, you mean months ago, right? When they yeah. first broke up and now they're back together and now one guy's hurt. Right. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like, I wouldn't have like, like, like letting those guys go single and pretty much ruin Eric Rowan in the process. I would have rather left the Ascension in NXT and kept those guys as a tag team because those guys are a legitimate badass threat in the division. Yeah. It's just, it was just poor planning. And now look, now one guy's hurt. Uh Go ahead. What happened? No, I thought you were going to say something else. I see that. Uh, oh, no. You, you cut out. You cut out for a second. Oh, no. What I was saying was that you're taking the trade off of these two guys. Now, one guy being injured, the other guy floating in limbo, and the ascension have amounted to nothing since coming up to the main roster. Let's be honest. I feel like all four, do actually, all three of those guys, I feel like were always overrated. I was never really a fan of uh, Eric Rowan. Then they turned him face for what, maybe five months. Didn't maybe. buy it then. The essential I never was a fan of. Luke Harper is the only one out of the three of out of the four of them that I actually enjoy in the ring. There you so, go. I mean, to be honest with you, Terry. I see. I, I see a communique that John Blade is also in the queue. So hold on one second. John Blade, are you alive? Alive and well. Welcome to the party, sir. Uh, it's never too late to join. How's it going, guys? <clears throat> All is well. What's up, the can? So, we <laughs> were... I'm, I'm, buried, I'm, unite. <laughs> I'll try not to die. My voice is buried as it is right now, so I'll try. Well, don't... <laughs> well, rest, I can. well, don't worry. We're in the home stretch. I, I actually... Um, it's good you actually <laughs> called in because of uh, John Cena and Cesaro pretty much giving us what I, I pretty much feel is the fourth match of the year. It's like, if everybody goes, hey, what's your match of the year? It's like, yo, almost every one of the ones that John Cena had with everybody that wasn't a main eventer. <laughs> I'll, I'll be honest. I really want to get John Blade's opinion on the second Cesaro and Cena match. I had to watch it on YouTube, but it was, it was phenomenal. It was... I didn't watch it on time, but I watched it. That's all that matters. You're lucky. <laughs> I'll say this, and and for and for all the shit that I and and I've I've been guilty of it for all the shit that people give John Cena, the guys probably put over everybody that's come out of NXT since be, since stepping away from the main event and becoming U.S. champion. Cena has come to the point where I want him to be WWE champion again. That's how good he's been recently. It's sad. But, like, if he was the champ and we got to see him in, like, high-profile feuds, not featuring Randy on the big show and Kane, mind you. I agree. <laughs> That's good. That's <laughs> I mean, you, I mean, you could give him the belt. You just can't put him against, like, the generic stock uh, number one contenders that he's always up against. That's what makes the matches that just lame. Well, like, Randy so- Orton, Cena 300, would, admit, would just kind of kill everything Cena's done. Well, I'm so glad- I think you got to give a little bit of credit, too. Who's Cena's going against, and not so much yes, Cena. Well, yeah, that's that's exactly it. What's made what's made Cena a better performer is the fact that he's working with a fresh set of talent that are giving us 
some some really really stellar uh ring work you know they they're out there they're out there stealing the show left and right week in and week out like you know his his work with Sami Zayn his work with Neville um you know all his matches with Cesaro his matches with Kevin Owens hell even his even his work with Rollins I agree my favorite match of the year was Brock Cena Rollins at Rumble Yep, that's a great match. There were there were a lot of great moments, and I think that and and you guys know this because I've said it before. A guy is only as good as his opponents, and I think in, in Cena's case, you're giving him guys with amazing move sets that are forcing him to evolve as a performer. I mean, don't get me wrong; him trying to do the code red and that springboard stunner are always just a pain to watch. But oh, I love the springboard stunner. It's first though. It's first. You can't. You can't. You can't give the guy too much shit for because it's like it's exactly. this is what people always want from Cena, and we're getting it. So exactly, and that's the thing. It's like one minute, go ahead, Quark. One minute it's the five moves of doom, and then the next minute, you know, he's trying new things. Yep. And this is direct to you, but you see people on the internet. Oh my god, well, you look terrible. You know what? Quite frankly, I'd rather see him look uh, average doing a springboard stutter and, and the coder and, and even the hurricane Ryan. Well, here's here's the thing too. You take when John Cena was feuding with CM Punk, we got to see some some crazy stuff. I mean, you know, he took that pile driver on Raw. Like he's willing to take risks if the opponents are people that he can trust. Because like when Kevin Owens delivered that package pile driver, I was like, oh my god, they're letting him do the package pile driver. I mean, he had to alter it a little bit. But still, you know, no, you know, Vince McMahon was probably having a stroke backstage. <laughs> like that's what gets me. Like when you look at those matches, it's like, hey, you're gonna have this match with Cesaro, and he is going to springboard psycho crusher elbow off the top rope, and you're gonna take that. <laughs> you know, Vince was like, why are you letting that bald guy get in all that offense? And Triple H is like, shut up, Vince, shut up. <laughs> You know, you know, Triple H was like, let the magic happen. Just let it happen. That's picture Triple H putting a gag and he's trying to run out of gorilla. It's like, no, no, no. I I could see that. I could see Vince running out, like, wait a minute, wait a minute, damn it. Damn it, that can't happen. And it's just Triple H just gagging him and putting him in chloroform. Stephanie McMahon chloroforming her father, shoving him in a closet. Just in the closet. <laughs> no, it was good. It was good, man. I'm here's the thing. Cesaro took that opportunity that was given to him and he ran with the fucking ball. I only hope that creative wakes up and 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 management wakes up and realizes they have something there that they can use. Yeah, no. I think they will do it. I really think that that creative is, is, is finally seen the power of the Swedish Superman. The positivity. I, 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 the power of positivity. The power. No, I, I really P.O.P. Hold it down. I really feel that Cesaro is going to get a push after this. I don't know who he's going to feud with. Um, I don't, even, don't even put him in the heavyweight title. I, I'd still like to see a, a Cena, uh, Owens, Cesaro. Hell, fuck it. So make it a triple threat for SummerSlam. I'd love to see that type of that match. The I would, US belt. I'd love to see that. I yeah. think I think giving Kevin Owens the strap at the uh, at Battleground 
and Cesaro challenging and then Cena saying that he deserves the rematch would be a great way to get that triple threat at SummerSlam and really blow the roof off. I think everybody would benefit. I, mean, yeah. I, I, I can see it. As of right now, I don't really see a big marquee SummerSlam match. Like I was watching, uh, I was watching the network, and they were showing old clips from Brock versus Cena in last year's SummerSlam, and that was a big fight. Yeah. And this year, I don't really, I don't know if we're gonna have that big fight feel again for SummerSlam, and I'm a little disappointed. Well, you know what I think is 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 the thing. I think in 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 Rollins and Lesnar's case, I think Lesnar's probably gonna win at Battleground and hold on to it to SummerSlam, and either you're gonna get that Rollins rematch or you're going to possibly tease the inevitable Sheamus cash-in. Unless, unless Sheamus... Oh, God, no. Which, which no. you never know. Because you know, you know what it is? Sheamus is a Triple H guy. Vince is all about the big dudes in the main event. It, it, I, Can we I, not have Sheamus cash-in? Unfortunately, I see it happening, and I think it's going to be, it's going to be because they're not going to be able to get Brock an opponent that's going to look credible on paper. Because think about it. Look at that main event. Look at the main event level of of of, of uh, superstars. You'll realize that there's a very, very, very thin roster up there. Of main event superstars or just superstars in general? No, main event, main event level guys. Like it's it's Brock, Rollins, maybe Sheamus, maybe Orton, may, maybe Cena. But you get what I'm saying. There's a lot of maybes. I think I think Dean, if given the chance, not to be champ, but to be in the upper that 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 high card, whatever it's called, I can't figure it right now for some reason. If he was chasing the belt like he was, and now he's not for some reason, I really think he he is a contender for that high profile spot. I it would make, make sense. Dean is the only person crazy enough to challenge Brock Lesnar. That is, I see it. That there, that, that is a match I'd love to see at SummerSlam. Brock versus Dean is the type of nutty match that that that's a big fight feel. John hit it with the money. Well, you know what it is. That's what they call him John Mighty Blade. Dean Dean Ambrose. What are you I, talking about? Dean Ambrose would benefit more from working a program with with a guy like Kevin Owens because there's better promo work and better wrestling to be had. You got to remember, putting Dean Ambrose in a match with Brock Lesnar is the expectation of Dean Ambrose pretty much being a crash dummy. For that, for the better part of that match. Do you want to see Paul Heyman versus Dean Ambrose on the mic? A thirty-minute verbal debate and open every raw. <laughs> a point counterpoint. I, I honestly, why he's a legitimate contender. I wouldn't mind seeing Dean Ambrose be a client of Paul Heyman's. Oh, get out of here! Well, actually. They could bounce off each other very well. Yep, unleashing unleashing the inner psychopath, you know? It was like Heyman Heyman and Punk. Punk didn't need Heyman, but he benefited from it. Exactly. Pretty much. Dude, if you made Team Champ at SummerSlam somehow and and had him align with Paul Heyman, like CM Punk, man, John, you're on to something today, for once. Everybody gets one. After 300 episodes, I have to get one in. I have to get one. There you go. I wanted to um, <laughs> switch gears because if you guys have been following, maybe maybe not, depending, uh, you guys may know that EC3, your buddy, Derek Bateman, Finally. won the belt at T- in TNA. But the thing that got me was the fact that Kurt Angle was competing with a tumor in his fucking neck. 
still work. How insane is that? He's had a benign tumor in his neck since 2012. And the only reason that he's acknowledging it now is because it was blocking a nerve in his arm and it was causing atrophy in one of his arms. On top of the fact that he's going to have surgery and he'll still be back in three weeks. Just saying. <laughs> Good for him. Daniel Bryan, hey, what do you do? What's your excuse? Hey, that young upstart needs to push. <laughs> Kurt Angle, Kurt Angle, Kurt Angle defended the title with a tumor in his friggin' neck. That that should be the next promo. <laughs> I'm serious. I'm just real, I'm just really proud of Trent Barretta finally getting that title. <laughs> <laughs> That's fucked up. Hey, you know what's funny? I I actually y- your boy Trent Barretta. He actually wrestles for New Japan pro wrestling and in a tag team with um what the hell is that guy's name he actually was in a tag team match this uh i think last week or the week before i saw it on on new japan on on um access tv and i was like well look at that a trent beretta sighting and he was in a pretty good high profile tag team match oh the tag team is rapongi vice with with the new japan on access tv are those like recent episodes so, uh, some of them are slightly delayed, but Trent Beretta is in the tag team Rapongi Vice. I believe it's with Rocky Romero. He's still in that tag team. Because yeah, when I watched New Japan, I was seeing Prince Devitt wrestle. I was like, there, "There's a problem here." Oh well, you know they got to get those matches in. Those are highly important. Oh, of course, <laughs> highly, highly important. But yeah, Kurt I was, Angle. I was hyped for New Japan. I was like, "Oh great, I'm going to get watch New Japan live." You know, not no. Yeah, but. You know what? You know what's crazy? It's like you watch New Japan, you watch Ring of Honor, and you realize that there's so many dudes out there that it's like, yo, if that guy got to the main or roster, in WWE. Yep. But but Tremperet has been doing pretty good as part of Rapongi Vice. I'll see if I can find the match and share it in the uh, Facebook group. Yay! <laughs> yeah, that's that's Quark's guy. Me and Tremperet don't have much history. I have to get some Curtis Hawkins in there. Now we're talking. Yeah, Curtis Hawkins has been he's been killing it on the independence though. So the I'm uh, telling you, for the for the three hundred episode of the Buried show, in uh, twenty years we'll have Kurt uh Kurt Hawkins on. Oh Jesus. <laughs> the only um, I have a question. Shoot. I I recently came into contact with a certain magazine called Pro Wrestling Illustrated. Now I'm curious as to how I got a magazine from August of twenty fifteen with information from February. How did that work? Uh, PWI is really weird with that stuff. It happens. <laughs> that's all I can say. It yeah, that's happens. all I need to know. It happens. They're, they're, they're so old. Dude, we were reading this, this article yesterday, and it was, yeah, down to this from August, the August 2015 issue came out, whatever, but it was still talking about things like he had never even been in the WWE. Yeah, the, <laughs> the only thing that I get from PWI is there is there, you know, the PWI 500, you know, the rankings of all the the best wrestlers in the world. Like that's the issue that is a must read. Hmm. I got, um, I got the issue with like, they gave out the awards, like the end of the season. Yep. Best and breath, all that stuff. So I got to check that out, but it was like, some of the articles just didn't line up timeline wise. Oh yeah. There's a, there's always a lot of that. Um, I did, I did want to mention two things to close things out. Uh, first off NXT is debuting in New York city. On August 22nd, the day before SummerSlam, they're taking over the Barclays Center, and it is going to be an NXT TakeOver show. So, um, yeah, Finn Balor face paint in New York City next month. (laughs) 
I'm just sad. Oh, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Fight I, Joey Samoe? I don't know if he's going to fight Joey Samoe. I, I have no clue yet. I have a feeling that it's probably going to be not. Balor. I think it's going to be Balor and Atami because they were kind of teasing that at uh, Beast in the East. Like he was in the stands watching the match and they kept Straight showing selfie. him on camera. And he looked kind of Fantastic in a Tommy. Yes, he had he had the kind of the uh, the heel <laughs> tactics at work. And well, uh, I hope you enjoy it. Are you going to this? Are you going to said show? I'm going to try and buy the tickets. They go on sale the 18th. I was bummed out though because they're doing the same day that they're doing NXT at the Barkley. Uh, Ring of Honor is doing their show at Coney Island. Like in the water, they're doing it at the uh, at MCU Park, which is a baseball stadium at Coney Island. Uh, that's so, not nearly as fun. I want them like in the ocean, just duking it out. Oh, a uh, boy can do it. A, a boy can <laughs> Well, I will. I will say this with both shows. The only reason I, I wanted to close out with that is because shit is getting serious when NXT is on the road. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Soon. That, Soon. That's it. Soon. I'm still waiting for the NXT WWE versus pay-per-view. It that, needs to happen. I'm telling you, one day. One, Soon, one day. One day we may get Baron Corbin versus the big show. <laughs> oh, fuck you. Fuck Corbin you. Need, Corbin needs me to set a pants after that. Oh, get out of here. Baron <laughs> Corbin versus, versus John Cena. Max the decade. Okay. You mean Baron Corbin, the human Krang robot? Get the fuck out of here. Baron <laughs> Corbin is awesome. Dude, Baron Corbin is shit. Dude, o- watch your goddamn tongue. Two things, two things make Baron Corbin good. The tattoos he has and the badass ring jacket. You take all of that away and he is essentially Lance Archer. <laughs> Yo, if you want to have another 300 episodes, you will watch them out. <laughs> big Bad Wolf is coming for you. The Big, big Bad Wolf. It's, it's like, yo, how did you have a match with Bull Dempsey and Bull Dempsey is now relegated to straight jobber status making sandwiches in the back? Relegated <laughs> <laughs> well, to straight fat status. That's his gimmick now. He's fat. Which is, which is terrible. I was like, then damn. He, just, just really just then, shit on that guy's gimmick. And they can work a regimen and put him up right back. He's like, you can eat, but you got to eat right. You want to be like the big guy. Terrible. Feed me more no bull density. You should not eat anything. Feed him less, please. It's, it's all terrible, dude. Bull density was on tough enough. That was the thing. Ugh. Well, with that said, that, um, that's actually going to wrap up the wrestling segment for this week. Uh, two things. Uh, are, we getting, are we getting new buried this week so that the audience can know? Uh, let me do some stuff in the morning. First off, this episode 14. Hell, this episode 1 through 14 is not called up. It's very stopping. Episode 15 will be coming after Battleground, and then another episode coming after Summer Plans. You don't want to wear out or lock them. And Shields are really hard to pull. But in the meantime, there will be very hard coming out. One is the long anticipated the one that's signed article that's coming soon. You got What are you saying? I exactly. I that's what I'm saying. What am I saying? There you go. What? Dude, you're like breaking up. Like a lot of there? breakup. Get the fuck out of here. Samsung has terrible phones, people. Samsung phones are terrible. <laughs> so, so, my whole tirade. No, no, no. Let me, let me, let me, let me shorten that out. 
Uh, there will be a buried after Battleground. There will be a buried column for Tough Enough. There will probably be a buried episode for SummerSlam because you guys don't want to wear out your welcome. Am I right? That is another one for a sequel to John for the one year anniversary of Barry. Michelle. All right. That's it. There you go. Uh, John Blade, anything else you want to add? Yeah, I pretty much covered it. Quirks our calendar, guys. So. It was good to be on the 300th episode. I'm sorry I missed, you know, the majority of it. That's all right. But you stuck. There you go. You're not wrong. But shut up. <laughs> well, there you have it. Um, the Buried Boys, you can find them on Twitter. Uh, Quark, did you change your name on Buried now? I mean, on uh, Twitter? Fuck no. Fuck no, don't follow me. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Don't follow either one of them, but you will see their uh, social media handles in the show notes. There you have it. Listen to Buried. It's a who. There you go. Make sure you did check out Buried on iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio. Just look for My Take Radio and look for Buried listed in there. All right, guys. Thank you for the assist on episode 300. I appreciate it. Hey, Buried, kid. Peace. Peace. I just realized um, two things. Number one, we went really long this week, but that's okay because it's episode 300. Number two, I did not hit record for our video feed, so I hope that our friends at GFQ recorded the video for this episode. If not, it will be an audio-only episode. Let us hope that is not the case. Uh, And that's pretty much it. So with that said, uh, this is going to wrap up episode 300 of My Take Radio. As always, thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you for your continued support. Here's to another 300 episodes. Join us uh, tomorrow, or I should say today, uh, July 9th, 2015, for our gaming and entertainment edition. You can watch, listen, and chat live at mtrlive.com. You can find archived episodes of the show on iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio. You just look up My Take Radio. You can also find The Buried Show and Black is the New Black in that listing as, excuse me, as well. Besides that, you can find us on social media. Look for My Take Radio on Twitter and Facebook. You can also look for Rageworks on Twitter and Facebook as well. And Google Plus, plus our two YouTube channels, uh, My Take Radio TV and Official Rageworks. For those of you that are interested in connecting with the rest of the team and other MTR listeners, you can join the Rageworks group page, which is officially going to be open to the public after we upload and edit this episode. Well, let me rephrase that after we edit and upload this episode. All right, guys. Thank you guys for your continued support. Thank you guys for tuning in this week. We got a lot of editing to do. I got to fix all of uh, Quark's Al-Qaeda cave audio. Hopefully we can get that squared away. But aside from that, I will catch you guys later. Peace. Rich, bitch. Uh, uh. That's all, folks.